Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore, and there will be no attempt to give Kieran McGuinness, my guest this week, a lead-in, because I just started recording, so there you go. Kieran, oh, shit. how are you? I'm oh, good, thank you. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, do I sound very robotic? No, I sound okay. Okay, I'm okay. You sound good. You sound really yeah. good. Yeah. Very thank great. you. Thank you, guys. Sonic Architect Adam also in the room. As always. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, so I'm going to speed through some stuff here before we get going on the main events of the show. We're going to talk with Kieran uh, for the entire episode, because he's the guest for the entire yeah, episode. That's, that's it, yeah. But we are going to talk about uh, his new album. Which is out. <laughs> no, our new album. <laughs> that makes it like, our, sounds yeah. like it's me and you. It's not. Oh, it's yeah. you and the love of your life, who isn't me. Uh, Driven Snow is the band. We'll talk all about it. The album is out now as of this podcast being out on the Friday. Scary. But if you want to get the podcast earlier, you can, you know, on patreon.com slash snowencore, where this podcast will be dropping 24 hours prior to the Friday feed. You can get it on Thursday over there. Patreon.com slash snowencore. Five euro. It's all about it is, isn't it? Yep. Or more, if you wish. If it's up to you. If you're feeling flush, but five euro is all we ask of you. <laughs> Are you feeling flush in the second week of January? Or February, sorry. Uh, I'm still in January. The longest month in the history of planet Earth is over. Yeah, still in January, still in the trenches. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash noencore if you want to support the show and get the show early. That'll be that'll be good. We're back now after uh, coming back last week. Now, I should say, <clears throat> before we get going, um, I got called out by someone for being rude to you, Adam. Being rude to me? What did you say? So, uh, during which our, time? Uh, that, that's rude to me. I'm only joking. During uh, our discussion last week about the Choice Prize, there was a moment where you referred to you're talking about Kojak's album. Yep. And uh, you said, you know, you're talking about how it, for you it wasn't a big enough of a progression from his previous record. Yes. And you used I stand the, by that. You used the word appendage. Right? I did. And uh, I jumped all over you, and I went addendum. I think you meant to say there. Uh, yeah. 
something like that. Now, I got a message off someone, right, who said, and she will remain nameless, by the way. Yeah. She said, if <laughs> Thanks she... for fighting my corner, anonymous tipster, <laughs> uh, Mr. She... X. No, no, don't thank this person. <laughs> don't thank, don't, don't encourage her. She, um, she texted me, or voice, vo- voice messaged me, and said, if I was the guest, I wouldn't have been half as polite as Adam was here if you did this to me. So basically, like, I was of the opinion, like, I thought that you misspoke, and I was just trying to, you know, do that no, thing. No, I think, I think I did. No, but it's nice to know people. People are out there looking after me. I got a screen recording of her looking up the dictionary definition of the word appendage, pausing the podcast to do so. So the dictionary definition of appendage says, a thing that is added or attached to something larger or more important, which I guess is what you meant. That, yeah. Now, I, the fault is mine. As, well, addendum as, as is like, so often is it's because, the same Well, I thought, I thought an appendage was in fact a limb, and there is in fact a second uh, definition here. <laughs> so, so great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're working this out here. That's right. Driven back off, back off, out now. Back off. <laughs> a projecting part of an invertebrate or other living organism with a distinct appearance or function. So I think what what it comes down to is that we are both correct. Both correct, yeah. Because addendum, right? If, I can, if, if I can just look this up like now. Like something added after the fact, right? That's, I mean, that's my, that, that's my uh, assumption. But the dictionary tells me, an item of additional material added at the end of a book or document, typically in order to correct, clarify, or supplement something. See, okay, here's the thing. And thank you so much, listener. Don't who, thank her. Who, who is anonymous. No. I, no, I will. Uh, but I do think you were right. Me, yeah, Misha. Yes, you, Dave Hanready. <laughs> Who would have thought? In everybody? that case, do thank her for bringing this <laughs> moment to bear. And yeah, no, but it's more that I was rude and I cut across you and I shouldn't have done that. Hey, look, we're only human here. No, it's all good. I didn't, I, to be honest, I didn't even know. It's just a real pleasure just to just, just to be able to <laughs> chat about, you know, just the, the, the music you make. It's, it's, it's lovely. Thanks, guys. Well, you could, you could argue that um, Driven Snow is an appendage or an addendum <laughs> or a brand new chapter yes. in the musical story of Kieran McGuinness. Yep. And just Karen McGuinness, right? <laughs> no, stop. Stop trying to erase my wife. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's is it? Yeah, it's just fun. Do you know something? Um, uh, it's the most. I think since we were like, you know, since we were, I suppose, starting out, it's the most kind of cottage industry that it's ever been, which is cool. So, like last night, um, we were, uh, you know, opening all the vinyl and like colouring in like the colouring book uh, the kids were I wasn't although I should have um, and uh, signing and all this kind of stuff and then heading off to the post office to the real they don't like me down there and um, I'm so nice to them but uh, uh, yeah so uh, it's actually really lovely and it, you, do you know something you really notice like so, uh, you know uh, an album comes in from someone you're like thank you so much Joe, it feels, it's just like lovely. It's just lovely. It's, it's, I, I, I'm enjoying it. So it's a very nice uh, uh, addition to the story of th- the thing. Well, let's uh, let's hear the opening track from the album. The, like I say, the act of driven snow. The album is called A Kind of Dreaming. This song, Kieran, is called? This is Aurora. The opening track. Let's take a listen. Go back to our place 
So yes, that is Aurora, the opening track of A Kind of Dreaming, the debut album by Driven Snow, the new project from Kieran McGuinness and his wife, Emily Aylmer. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you may know Kieran from De Laurentiis, you may know Kieran from his excellent award-winning uh, radio show, the Nova Guest List on Radio Nova every Sundays, that I sometimes call into for some Yes, we're blessed by your presence <laughs> at times. And frolics. And you may, of course, know Kieran from appearing on the show. Uh, but, for anyone who doesn't know Driven Snow, now's the chance, tell us all about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'm a musician. I've been in uh, De Laurentiis for a long time. Um, I was in a really bad uh, Thin Lizzy cover band for a couple of weeks before that and uh, kind of glad that didn't work out. But, um, what do uh, they call it? Like Jailbreak or something, was it? Something Great like name that. for a Thin Lizzy cover band, sorry. Thank you. Credit yeah. credits you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like Thin Lizzy, but um, the cover band was, oh man, it was so bad. And I was the wrong person. I'm just not... I just can't do. I can't do the thing, and they wanted me to do the thing, and I couldn't do it. You know, the rock and roll thing. The the, the big, the big. I just, it wasn't me. The big uh, uh, Phil Phil O thing. But anyway, aside from that, which people won't know, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, so Emily was in Republic Loose for a long time. She was in uh, bands before that as well. So we both kind of been doing music for ages, and uh, I guess because Delorentos was an al- a band that had an album every two years or whatever. Like everything that I sort of wrote went into that, um, and so when lockdown happened, I was kind of still kind of writing, and you know, no gigs or whatever, and we, I just started writing with, with Emily, like, and it was it was really straightforward. There were some songs that were Delrento songs that maybe the lads it didn't suit what they were doing, and some of those I kind of re you know rewrote for me and Emily. Uh, that one there originally brought to Delrento's, and uh, it had the line. Another evening of waffles and beans was the first line. And then he was like, that is a terrible lyric. <laughs> and there's been lots of that. So uh, Can I just say at this point, I'm, I'm glad because um, I hate beans so much. <laughs> I hate the name. I hate what they look like. They kind of freak me out. You hate the name. Yeah. Like there's, some, you know, there's words. There's words in the English language that you're like, oh, not, that's not for me. People have a problem with the word moist, for example. I think the word moist is fine. But yeah, like the food stuff that we just mentioned, gross, absolutely disgusting. So I don't think I could have you on the show and endorse this, this yeah, record true, if, yeah. if that was the opening line of the album. <laughs> so thank you, Emily. Could you still stand over that lyric now? No, I don't think so. But, <laughs> but that's what you, you're kind of like, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, when you're doing something creative, you're sort of in it and then you go, oh, well, here it is, you know. So there's lots of me doing that. And Emily has been doing that for years. Um, I remember like, you know, I remember I, brought, I was really trying to get Pedro a song on our third album, right? I, I couldn't do it. I, I, like I spent, I actually spent months trying to write it, and I came in and played it to her, and she went, "That's it. You got." It. You know, it was, so she's always had a really good ear for arrangement. And then we started doing stuff together, and then it started out with me bringing songs to her, and then after a little while, it was kind of me bringing songs, and then her writing the parts that she didn't think were good, and that was really that was just where it all kind of kind of came together. And uh, yeah, it's it's been. I, I won't say easy, but like it's just been surprisingly um, enjoyable. You know, uh, you'd want uh, uh, you'd want a musical project with your wife to be enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> like it'd be a better a bigger headline. I yeah, think, that's if true. You're like fucking disaster. Oh no, but I've yeah. said it. To, I've said it to other musicians, and um, they've gone. I could never fucking. You know, well, they, this thing because I mean, like, a in, lot, a lot of people. I, I, I think that it doesn't. I'm actually surprised how many like like. A lot of musicians have significant others. I don't know if you've heard this, but a lot of people who play music have wives or husbands or partners. And 
the majority of them don't have, have um, you know, musical kind of connections or whatever. So but um, I wonder, because I was thinking of like, you know, in film, right? You know, there's there's that, all these rules, you know, one of the rules is, you know, never work with children or animals. I wonder in music, is it never work with your significant other? You know, is that like, is that, is that, is it a recipe for, do people shy away from it? Is there any kind of, you know, superstition about that kind of thing? Oh, there definitely is. But honestly, like, it's just been really easy. And Emily has no problem telling me when something isn't good enough. And, um, and sometimes it's not. And it's kind of good because uh, I, she's been my sounding board for the last, you know, like, actually, probably all the albums. Um, she's been my sounding board with stuff that I've written. Um, and it's like it has to get past her before it even got to De Laurentiis. So, um, you know, she's rarely wrong with that. And now she's writing her own stuff and contributing to stuff in that way. So it's, yeah, look, it's been really good. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be something that everyone that everyone likes because it is kind of gentle and... Uh, it's it's subtle and it's kind of melody focused and I can imagine like it won't be you know it's not going to be one of those songs it's not designed to be one of those songs it's just it's just what we want to write about and how we want to feel and but for some people I think I think they'll really I think they'll really connect with it yeah when did it speaking of the connection when did it connect that it was you know time or it made sense for the two of you to start collaborating together because I don't like personally after listening to the record and having listened to you know Aurora a lot it was really nice to hear how well your voices actually sound together on record and that's not always the case you know but that's not me I am Emily's uh, like an exceptional singer and so like genuinely she is uh, a singer that's really really empathetic to what the other singer is doing she's just amazing and she can connect she's got an amazing ear for melody and pitch and all that kind of stuff so you know, in some ways she can really sit in with me. And then when she's doing lead, then I have to, I have to get it right to fit in with her, but she's still, she's still so good that she can make my average, you know, singing work with hers. But um, no, she, she's amazing at singing. And and I think that was an interesting thing about the album. It helped form it because I really wanted it to be uh, like a couple of the songs have like two chords, you know, on a kind of a, a bridging note. It's really simple because I wanted it to be, Everything to be subtle, to to sit behind the melody and the story, and uh, it just it was actually kind of I had to kind of unlearn a little bit about how the way I wrote with Delorento is like I was, I was always challenging myself like how can I do things, what can I do here that's different and and more like there's a song in the last album on True Surrender which. Um, uh, I rewrote in a different time signature, but sang it over it. I sang the song over the new time signature with the old signature, the old time signature, and I, I couldn't get it right. So in the booth when I was recording, Ross was standing at my, at my shoulder and he would, yeah. he was counting and tapping me on the shoulder when I had to sing. Like it was that ridiculous, like, you know, I think the song is brilliant, you know, as a result, but there was none of that with this. This was like what feels uh, soulful and it feels like it's natural and stuff that didn't feel like Sometimes songs you feel like you have to kind of carve them out of rock to get them and you're searching for something. Yeah. And I definitely didn't want to, you know this as a producer, but I didn't want to do that in those, this. I wanted it to feel, always feel natural and the, you know, like listening to the song, what should happen next in the song as opposed to deciding, I know that sounds like, I'm sure everyone does that, but um, it's been a really nice and a different way. And I think, hopefully, uh, it's kind of made me a better songwriter, I think. Okay. You yes. said um, that 
Emily has no problem telling you if what you're doing doesn't work. Yeah. Is that the case uh, in reverse? Are you able to just be like, it doesn't fucking work, Emily? No, here's the thing, right? Um, I just write lots of songs and I write lots of ideas and I have loads of things that are, you know, I've, 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 came out of my head an hour ago and I've worked on it for a while and what you know but Emily doesn't show stuff like that until she's worked on it for a while calculated more yeah uh, well I don't know if it's calculated but I think she she has a couple of she has a couple of gateways before it comes to me so she's already thought about it a few times so it's Mm. not like I'm a bit more sort of like oh I got this thing you know and it's like well (laughs) like an excited puppy dog yeah like an excited puppy dog Um, no but look it's it's yeah, sometimes I can. She's pretty good. Like she, you know, she's she knows she's. So when we had our first uh, um, uh, little girl, um, we um, she was really understanding about me going off touring and going off to Mexico for like two weeks, going off to like you know to play in Russia, going off and playing in you know in Europe for weeks. She was because she knows what it's like to be in a band and she knows what it takes because she was in you know the loose and various other projects, so she understood. So. I do feel like any kind of understanding is, you know, she's she's uh, she's just incredibly understanding for that kind of stuff. I'm curious, like, I mean, does this, because this is the first album by this project, I mean, like, does this feel like the first time you put out a De Laurentiis record or, you know, you might, you're, like you're talking about the music industry there and the kind of unconventional, I guess, life that it can be for people. I mean, like, are you, are you, I'm trying not to use like the word jaded, but you know, it's like, like you've been through so much with Delorantos, but you're putting out a brand new thing. Do you still have that level of kind of just like wide eyed? This is amazing. We oh, did totally. This. Oh, I, I absolutely do. Like, um, I think with Delorantos, I kind of had got, you know, uh, to a point, you know, where, and it was a lovely thing on the fourth album. I was like, I know how good this is, sort of thing. I don't mean, I don't mean like, I think it's amazing, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure of how much work I've put in, and I'm how happy, happy I am with it. Um, um, and on the fifth album, I was really happy with the work I put in. It was less about what other people were going to say. I was kind of going, I hope people get it. What, what we, what we did. And the first dinner album, I was like, is this good? Do people going to like it? Oh, people think, people think it's good. Oh, maybe we're really good, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, you, I don't think you'll ever walk in that, that wide-eyed with it. Um, so, uh, you know what I mean. It's a bit more like, uh, it's just, it's, it's different. And I think it, it, it is different. Like you know, the next Delorento's gig we play. I know there will be a big audience that want to go and see that and I know the venues you could probably play and I know the next De Laurentiis album will have an audience there. This doesn't have that audience yet. This doesn't have, um, uh, I don't know what what size venues we can get. I don't know. It's all kind of new and exciting and different. And I suppose we're both bringing everything we've done before into it. And, you know, as I said, like the big scenes in Ireland are like the kind of shouty punk thing, the trad kind of vibes and like hip hop and, and kind of soul that are going at the moment and we don't fit into any of those so like you know uh, and that's fine but like so I feel like when people if people find the album so all we're trying to do is tell people about it and if people find it and it's their thing I think that it'll really they'll really like it but I mean competing for attention now is like the hardest it's ever been so yeah and also sorry just on the shows real quick because I do want to get on to the, the other point that you're making there but like 
You mentioned playing huge shows at Del Rentos and like doing it for years and getting, you know, a very communal kind of thing. And, and you built up to that as well. But I mean, like with this, and I've seen you, you know, I've seen you in an intimate show for Driven Snow mm. and it was great. But I mean, like, I wonder if like, is that more terrifying? Because it's so, oh, yeah. like, yeah, it's like, it's back to like, it's a brand new thing. It's a smaller room. It's a, it's a, it's a different, it's a completely different story. But also I've played with the drum kit behind me um, and a brilliant drummer for, 15 years almost every gig and to walk out without that where I'm you know m- much more responsible for the rhythm it's a different it's a different way of playing um, I'm doing most of the lead guitar lines if there's lead guitar lines that's different Ro usually you know Ro's a fantastic guitarist in De Laurentos and I would be more of a rhythm guitarist but also with the rhythm guitarist that would sit in with the pocket with the drums so it's all look it's all new and different and you know I'm a bit kind of mature enough to not be like oh god people are going to discover that I'm not a virtuoso guitarist oh no and like I don't really you know I don't really mind that as much but when I was younger like I remember in sound checks you know I'd be like you know showing the showing the sound man how good I was on the guitar <laughs> by the end I was just like blang it's just instant tune whatever you know and it's a bit like that now not that I'm being rude or anything to people I'm not saying that I'm just saying like I'm not I don't have to prove myself I think at this point yeah and you're not being rude either when you discuss like the current kind of I guess what's in right now in terms of the current crop whether it's coming from Ireland or whatever I use the word gentle earlier on to describe this album and I'm just curious is like you know like is that a, is that a bad thing do you know what I mean? Like, like no, no, it's, it's not. No, it's just, it's just not. Um, look, I, you know, I, I'm lucky. I have a radio show. I listen to a lot of music. There's stuff that grabs you um, because of its power and its immediacy and stuff like that. And then there's stuff that you, you, it's music that's kind of sympathetic or empathetic to you. And I think that this is more like that. Look, I mean, you know, if we can sell enough and make enough to make another album. I think I would be the happiest. Like that, that would be incredible, and that's all. And it's it's much more. Like, this is mo- the most. Uh, I don't want to be that guy who's like this album is the most whatever we've ever been. Just don't say, yeah, just don't say most personal. No, no, that's but the one that like. But it's it's the least I've cared about what anyone thinks. Yeah, I think as as Dylan just went on. Um, you know, I, I care less now what, what people think, but I definitely cared a lot whether people, whether whether there'd be an audience. And, you know, like, like Del Rentos is, I, like, I, I I love the lads. I love playing gigs with them and I love the, the release of them. But, like, there's a manager and there's a sound man and there's a driver and there's a merch guy and there's, you know, so you're kind of, you feel a bit responsible. There's a set list with expectation and maybe there's a fight over the set list and maybe there's a, and there's, yeah. what do the fans want and, you know. Like, and also every gig that you play, you have to be respectful to each other because, you know, um, Neil wants to play this song and Ross wants to play this song and he's not sure about that song anymore and, and Ro wants to do that and we should really do that and that would be a great point to this but he doesn't think that and, you know, there can't, like, I don't mind those discussions. It's never, it's never nasty. We're best friends, like, but um, it's a different thing to, like, doing something with your wife because there's no bullshit. She knows what I'm thinking at times. We've done a load of interviews recently and uh, so we're doing them on Skype in the evenings. I've got a job and uh, at night five and, and that's like, a lot of my focus. But So you're a journalist dream at 7.30pm. Yeah, are you? <laughs> but I'm doing chats, you know, and I've done a lot of, of interviews and one of the things I think about interviews is that I, I, I want to get across a couple of things. I want to say a few things, you know, so I'll I don't mind having a free form chat like with whoever, but like I'll want to say, look, you know, uh, this is something da da da. And I'll have, I have like two or three lines. And like I was doing interviews with Emily, and I think like the fourth interview, I had said similar things and all four. And she was just like, 
<laughs> thinking I was like insane or something. I'm like, well, no, I'm, these are, you know, I, like, you know, I kind of want the person to to know what kind of what the album sounds like. And I want to know where it was recorded in the atmosphere. So I'll, I'll tell those stories. <laughs> I do think sometimes she's like, why? Like, I'm because she's just chatting normally, like, you know, and like, I'm like, probably i don't know overthinking it or i wonder if that's the radio dj in you though because I've, I've described you before i've been like you know i think if you weren't a musician you'd be a music journalist because like every time anytime we get to hang out which is always always enjoyable you know you're you got great fucking stories but like i think that there's like you know i think you always not yeah and this is the role of you because i do it myself you know if i'm doing like a podcast review like i was today on the radio like the, yeah there's marks i want to hit and i don't and, yeah. and if i don't hit them i come away from it going like ah oh, damn i meant to say this this and this and i and i said that that and that and because i didn't say this this and this well then that that and that was terrible but it wasn't but i but i, I didn't hit my marks oh, it's, it's, not, it's not that i think that it's not good it's just that i have an expectation of the fact that like i want to be a good interviewer and I want to be kind of concise in what I'm saying so I do look like like, you know but that's part of that like you said of it being wide-eyed you know like uh, I think you know six albums with Delorentos this album you know I feel like at this point maybe through a certain a certain amount of I don't know I don't know at all but I know a little bit and, and it's life experience but some of that is because I want to be respectful to the to the interviewer as well. Like, I kind of want to go, look, here's some interesting things for you, <laughs> you know. We need quotes, yeah, in fairness. Like. Yeah, like, and, and I feel like, I remember um, we did an interview with Jim Carroll on our first album. And um, after the interview, he said, I never want to interview that band ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> he said this to your manager or to you? He said it to, and now Jim, I'm not, I, 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 no, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what we heard that he said. Um, Jim, if you're listening, you can come on the show. And no, it wasn't, it wasn't that, but it, it, was just, it was just that we were, like, we just didn't, we were all over the place and we probably had, didn't have enough life well, experience. To be fair, like, I think we've had this conversation ourselves and I know I've had it with you, Adam, mm. but it's like, I know I had it with Craig a million times. With all due respect to everyone listening who's in this position or has been in this position and the man sitting opposite me right now, Bands on their first album are boring as fuck. Oh, but also you don't know what you're. They, you know what you know what you're doing. Not to say. But, uh, but we did an interview then with Jim, and he on our third album, and we had to like you know twist his arm to do it, and he was like, "That was that was great," you know. But it, it wasn't that we got any better. It's just because like you actually yeah you know a bit and you've you, lived more. You've lived more, and you also have a bit. To more. Clarify this band on their first album, Driven Snow, are not boring as fuck. <laughs> just want to get that in there right now. <laughs> Yeah, not boring as fuck. That's a great quote. <laughs> Put on the poster. Put, <laughs> put on the poster. Yeah, no, so like, yeah. Look, at, and we've got gigs coming up um, in Dublin. We're, we're playing Cork, we're playing in Limerick and they will be nervy. I'll take a half a Xanax. I'll have two beers. I'll be great. It'll be lovely. That sounds good. Yeah, good combination there. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, uh, from me, before I throw back to my Sonic Architect, is there is a cover on this album. Yeah. Uh, I'm allowed the album's out I'm allowed to say this mm. you know mm. it's a My Bloody Valentine cover yeah so I'm curious I mean like was it came down to My Bloody Valentine and like I don't know like Top Loader or like what was the what was the process there well it was either all Top Loader or uh, and one <laughs> muddy, My Bloody Valentine or no um, I think do you know it's funny because the album was written at night time uh, it was written when the kids were going to bed it's written in the back room so it has I, I like wasn't on purpose, but there's lots of references to sleep, dreaming, waking, uh, moonlight, sunlight, you know, things like that. And um, when we were kind of coming close to the end of the album, we were thinking about like that, that being the theme, like a kind of dreaming as it comes from a quote um, where it's like a being, you know, creating is it like a kind of dreaming. And I just, I remember reading that quote and it kind of gave me goosebumps, you know. And uh, so I just thought like, 
you know, like what we were doing was like, like it's, it was kind of like a kind of dreaming, you know, and I don't know, there's something about that, that I, it, it kind of connects with what we were trying to do. So yeah, we saw that the theme was sleep, dream, that kind of thing. And then it made sense. And then I was like, could we do My Buddy Valentine in a kind of a folky, you know, way? Now we had to mix it up. And if you hear the album, it's quite different, but I think, yeah, really proud of it. Like I think we, 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 we did, we played around with four covers and they were nice. They were nice covers, but like they, you know, you're not. I didn't. We didn't think we we're bringing enough to it. Um, and yeah, that one we thought, yeah, this is cool. This is like this is a proper. This is a good, you know, a really good cover version. You know? Yeah, no, it is. It's it's a great cover version. I I am annoyed that here comes the hot stepper. It didn't make it, but I do think <laughs> that the one that you chose Bonus track. is is fantastic. It's gorgeous. And uh, don't sleep on a kind of dreaming by Driven Snow, which is out now. Go buy it. Go yeah. cherish it. Go love yeah. it. Or if you're on Patreon, say tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, if you're listening early, it's out on the Friday. It's out if, on Friday. If you're okay. listening yesterday, yeah, <laughs> yeah listening, exactly. Yeah, depending on the year that you're listening, it's out on February the ninth, twenty twenty four. That's a Friday. Yeah. Okay. And we'll be tagging away in our Instagram for you know go onto the page, check out the dates. You got upcoming dates you mentioned. Yeah. So um, next Friday we're playing uh, two gigs in Wheelands, Friday and Saturday, and then we've actually got some cool gigs coming up. We're doing uh, three gigs uh, next weekend, and then dates. In, dates. Give me dates. Sorry, the eleventh. <laughs> the 12th in Dublin in Whelan's and then we're playing a secret gig on the 14th on Tuesday night um, and then we are playing uh, gigs in Cork on the 22nd of March Limerick on the 23rd of March and then we're doing a tour of Leinster um, <laughs> I love that. very specific yeah. Yeah. well it needs so to be oh, it needs right. to be yes. a, a, within an hour and a half or thereabouts <laughs> so you know we get back for the childminder so uh, it needs, that's, that's how we worked out the tour <laughs> nice well listen this is uh, you know I think if you put uh, boundaries on your creativity in some ways it makes you more creative yeah. other provinces are available <laughs> but not on this tour not until there's better motorways yeah, All right. you can get, to, you can get uh, all those tickets and everything in this show notes so on Patreon just have a look at the at the uh, blurb and same if you're listening on Spotify Apple Music wherever you listen yes, yes. thank you Adam that was much more succinct than my attempt yeah. to do so you're very welcome um, later in the show we'll be doing top 5 songs about dreams and nightmares but for now guess who's doing what everybody I'm, Dave's I'm, on nightmares Dave's on nightmares because I, I am a nightmare <laughs> that's not true uh, can I can the nightmare request uh, the news sting please thanks <laughs> Start spreading the news. Yeah, the American nightmare, Cody Rhodes. I can't take that. That's already... Wow, right? We could probably do a whole podcast on wrestling. what happened there. I can't get into it. It's heartbreaking. It will have aged by the time... But I think I think by the time this podcast comes out, I think he'll be back in that main event. But that's that's a wrestling discussion. Yeah. You don't watch wrestling, do you, Karen? Um, I... No. Did you have a favourite <laughs> wrestler growing up? No. No? No. I, I, Hulk no. Hogan, for example. No. Problematic man. My brother, I was really into Lego and my brother was really into action figures. So he had like action figures and the ones where you twist the body and it spins and punches and you know, like, you know those ones? So you put it back and it goes, hits you. No, I've never. Adam, the the, the expression of, the blank expression there is amazing. I'm looking through Kieran's head right now. I did did have, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. You'd you'd wind the arm and it'd go. Yeah, wham. Yeah. 
Action Man. Do you not have an Action Man? I did have an Action Man, yeah. Did you not? Did it not do a thing where you pull its arm and it did another thing? <laughs> so th- this is much worse than the Dave got called out by someone conversation earlier on, can <laughs> yeah. I just say. Uh, actually, sorry, uh, just before I forget, can I, uh, Hulk Hogan, just while he's in my head? Okay, let's go. I told this to Greg recently and he cracked up. You know how Hulk Hogan is like a, a world famous liar? Oh yeah, yeah, the world's worst liar. Like the, the greatest tall talesman ever. Did you know that he once claimed that he wrestled uh, 400 times in one year? Because of the time difference because flying, the time back, difference from flying back from Japan. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. That, that is one of... Uh, I'll let him have that because it's just incredible. It's genuinely it's exceptional. So good. It's exceptional. Uh, are the Grammys exceptional? And more importantly, did anybody, anyone here watch the Grammys this year? Uh, I didn't. Okay. I did. It's one down. Oh, one all. <laughs> I, I watched a couple of YouTube highlights. Yeah, likewise, likewise. How about we kick off with, uh, with, with some audio, right, from the artist that won a record-setting fourth uh, consecutive, I think it was, album of the year. Here's uh, no prizes for guessing. Um, I would love to tell you that this is the best moment of my life, but I, I feel this happy when I finish a song, or when I crack the code to a bridge that I love, or when I'm shot listing a music video, or when I'm rehearsing with my dancers, or my band, or getting ready to go to Tokyo to play a show. For me, the, the award is the work. All I want to do is keep being able to do this. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. It makes me unbelievably blown away that it makes some people happy who voted for this award too. All I want to do is keep doing this. So thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do what I love so much. Mind blown. Thank you so much. She's just like us. It's Taylor Swift. We've all been there, right? Going to Tokyo for a gig. Oh my God. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to say a couple of things. Um, a couple, I'm, going to say, I'm going to say a couple of three things. Um, so first of all, um, the Grammys is very, very long. Holy God, it's such a long show. I can't believe it. There's like 85 awards, maybe more. Yeah, and I think they give they give it half the awards before the, the actual show, you know, whatever. There's anyway, only a certain amount selected yeah, for tele- yeah. television or whatever, yeah. Uh, so a lot of things that I thought about it. First thing was, it is bizarre how the record industry, the, mu- the music industry, now everyone shows up. Every single one of the shop, it, the room is filled with stars or whatever, doing their absolute best to sell. Because you wouldn't have had that at any other point. Now it's like the, mo- the most famous people in the world are there, um, which just shows where the where the state of the music industry is. But Taylor Swift. Um, so my daughter loves Taylor Swift. We listen to Taylor Swift on the way in the car. We all get a song each. So I put on something really weird just to annoy them. And then she wants to listen to something from Midnight's or she wants to listen to whatever. So I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. Um, Sorry, can I just say, I would totally game the system here. If I got my one song, I'd pick like East Hastings by Godspeed You Black Emperor, which is like 15 minutes, <laughs> 15 minutes long. long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, see, I, I'm last. So they'll be got long gone and dropped to school at that point. So <laughs> I can sit in that on the way home if I want to. It's very magnanimous of you. Yeah, well, you see, you see the, the youngest always wants to listen to ABBA uh, the the uh, Mamma Mia soundtrack. So those songs are short and terrible. Um, then uh, uh, I won't have any Abbas Lander in this podcast. No, the Mamma Mia versions are short and terrible. Okay, that's n- I'm not familiar. Yes, uh, you check it out. Um, some by actors. Um, so uh, then uh, Pierce Brosnan being one of the actors. <laughs> I'm sold. Pierce Brosnan has a good voice, but a terrible delivery. Um, anyway, let's. I don't want to get into the Mamma Mia skills of everyone. I could if I wanted to. I'm not sure. sure. Next time. Anyway, um, and uh, the middle, the six-year-old, uh, she really likes Taylor Swift as well, but kind of what the nine-year-old likes. But the nine-year-old loves Taylor Swift, and she loves Olivia Rodrigo, 
and uh, I've tried to play Lana Del Rey. She's just not into it at all. So it's kind of that kind of new new breed of like you know um, kind of pop. Would you um, mind if I uh, was really rude to you because I'm a very rude person and just mentioned that because you mentioned Lana Del Rey. Just real quick, just a tweet I saw, which I thought was funny about all this. Yes. So Taylor Swift brought Lana Del Rey on stage. I think Lana was nominated and didn't win. I guess they're friends. And someone on Twitter, because you know, you know how people have very normal and balanced and reasonable opinions about Taylor Swift and other cultural Especially things. Especially people with eggs as their profile picture. Uh, this person said, Taylor dragged Lana, who just lost the award on stage when she, Block Capitals, clearly didn't want to go. And they didn't say, uh, clearly, or sorry, Block Capitals again, word to Celine fucking Dion when she took the award, hoping the next album flops. Someone quoted that tweet and said, some of y'all are so parasocial it's insane. The guy that shot John Lennon would tell you to chill the fuck <laughs> out. Sorry, continue. Well, yeah, so um, uh, I think I was... The the point is that I listen to a lot of Taylor Swift, a lot of that. So I really feel like I know a lot of the acts, you know, which is good. But I, I kind of, I've kind of come to a, a kind of a strong opinion about Taylor Swift, which is that she's very very talented. But someone someone said to me that she's the new Bruce Springsteen, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't see that. I don't get it. I don't. I don't feel that. I think that she's very talented, very good at melody, and you know that song. Um, uh, hey, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. What's that called? Antihero. Antihero. Anti-hero. Yeah. I think that's like it's a really good song, really well built. She's got really, really good at that. But I don't feel like an. Oh, I feel like a lot of the songs have a similar vibe. It's like much more about the emotion than the. I don't know. It's I never. I never feel like I learn. Not that I want to, but like of someone of that level, you'd kind of want them to go. Just give me something deeper or something. Anyway. I mean, like, like, like as as men rapidly uh, hurtling into our middle age, I think it's fair to say that we're not the target market. At the same time, no, we're no, lo- I'm talking about the idea we're, that we're, we're, we're lovers of songs and craft and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, no, like and there's enormous craft and incredible production, a lot of skill. Like she's really skilled, but I just don't think the songs have developed. Or something. I don't feel like I. Do you know? I, I like it. It's all a bit identical to me, anyway. Yeah, it's a bit like that, and I'm like, where's the next level for stuff? But the thing that I think more than anything is that, uh, and I, like, I don't know Taylor Swift, but I think that a lot of the, the the show last night was her standing up and being really supportive of all the other artists, and I just, just like it just screamed in that very um, you know natural sounding way. There it that didn't we heard. seem it didn't seem natural. It felt like you know she feels, and I don't. And, and listen, what the fuck do I know? Not I'm not saying I know anything about what's going on in her head, but I did, there's like an, a kind of an almost. Uh, she wants to show people that she's sound, and I think a lot of the stuff like Dragon uh, and you know Nana Ray, it's to show that she's sound because she wants people to know that she's a good person, and she feels probably overwhelmed by the level of, of, of fame that she's having to deal with because it's not natural for anyone to have that much fame and that much scrutiny. She writes really good songs. She's really good at writing songs. She's a good singer. Yeah. She's she's good. But my I think thing she's is less like the I think she's less the Bruce Springsteen. I think she's more the Dwayne the Rock Johnson of the music where it's like someone who's desperate to show you how nice they are. Yeah. But the thing that, that I, I I I actually my issue when she won the award and she went up and she said, This is my thirteenth award and then she said she gave a press release about her next album being out. Yes, like okay. I actually cringed my face off because just before that, um, the Colombian artist um, that I can't remember the name of, I think her name was like, I don't know her name, and forgive me, but um, I hadn't heard of her before. But she went up and and uh, she was like, just like overwhelmed by the fact that she won the award. And I don't know, like it just, it was just stood in stark contrast with like, and I felt like a press release or something. It was so unnatural. And 
it was weird and like I don't know I just think it's I think it's, I think it's really hard to be one of the most famous people in the world uh, and yeah I, I felt in that moment that you could see the professionalism you could see the work that went, goes on behind the scenes um, you can see that like you know it was just I just, just thought it was it's a bit mad yeah, I mean, it's all very cynical, and we've had this conversation a lot. Um, I w- I, I, so, I, can I just I, ask, is that fair? <laughs> do, you think, do you think what I just said was fair? Or, like, because I'm not what having you, a go. That you think that she's a bit cynical? Yeah. I, th- I think that's a completely fair reading. Yes. I think she'd call that fair. But I also think that she's kind of forced into being a bit cynical because of the I level think she controls of her own. I think she controls her own narrative. And also, she's, uh, she's, she's really good on the old fashioned game, too, because you may have noticed that uh, she had a necklace on. And as people pointed out on Twitter, you know, the clock, the clock on her necklace works. It's functional and has changed times. Do you know why? Because it was a fucking watch. That's why. <laughs> and it was wrapped around her neck. And I saw, and I saw, I saw this guy uh, quote that one today. And he said, uh, "Flicking a lighter in front of these people and telling them that I harnessed the power of fire." <laughs> Everyone's lost their minds. Uh, it's perfectly fine to be cynical about Taylor Swift. I, I vowed coming into 2024 that we wouldn't be talking about her as much on this show, and yet here we are. Um, I can't help it because she's still everywhere. She's a psyop, of course, for the US uh, oh, God, for Democrats. She's rigging the Super Bowl, all that kind of jazz. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, it's, it's, it's complete dominance. And the thing about the album as well, I mean, of course, of course she announced a new album. And uh, Colin Morrigan, former co-host of the show, did note... Um, he was doing a mock quote and he goes, so mom, dad was saying you watched a Robin Williams film last night. Which one was it? And then he put in uh, the name of the album, which is, of course, The Tortured Poets Department. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. How many tracks on, are on the album, do we think? Have we looked it up? I, have. I haven't looked it up. It's probably like 20, is it? No, it's less somehow. It's 16 with a bonus track. So right. 17. <laughs> so 17, yeah. <laughs> She's like, she. Ha- you have to say, the, the prolific it's too nature much. is incredible. It's too it much. is quite incredible. But much. then, like, see, this is my thing. Where's, like, I, I can't take the producer studio, you know, personnel hat off. I'm wondering where the quality control is. Because, like, if you're putting that much out, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not, I, I wouldn't be familiar with Taylor Swift's discography. At all, to be honest. It's well, all I, I was saying like, me though. But I, mean, I was talking to. Um, they're they're um, obviously put out albums every week, and I'm like, let's not do that. No, that's but. that's silly. Carry on. But like. I was talking to um, uh, a person who is. I'm trying not to name drop here. Um, a person who would have a good understanding of her working <laughs> process practices. Yeah, and like she has a really good team around her, and um, she's at the point where she can delegate a lot of stuff. Okay, well, that's good, but I'm more talking about this, just the literal songs themselves. And like, if people you, seem to be happy with what they're getting, and they're see, still getting I, good reviews. I, I, I will say, like, I mean, there's no obvious, there's no obvious like crash. No, and I will say, a lot of what we're getting now, and probably this is me just kind of not being able to see the wood from the trees, so to speak, is that we're getting a lot of the re-recordings and we're not getting new material well, but, the real, album. but this but the album re- we're getting new material and we did with uh, Folklore, Folklore Evermore yeah. like the, no no she's been it's like she doesn't sleep like at all but also with the re-recordings I assume you can pr- you put that into a project of session musicians and you can because you have the they can just they can just redo the album through through session work I assume right I would yeah I would imagine so but keep the, the quality the same keep the keep the instrumentation the arrangements the same um, and just update maybe the the, the sound palette or whatever. Yeah. Look, we have to move on because we've had, we've talked, okay, well, let, we've let, talked let, so let, much let, about Taylor Let Swift. me say then, I thought that it was a, when 
I know this is going to be memed to death or whatever. Uh, you know, you'd be sick of it. But when Tracy Chapman came out and said, oh, "No, no, no, we, we'll, keep, we'll stay on the Grammys." Well, I was going to say that that was a genuine, a genuine moment, and she is such a beautiful singer and uh, such a great player. It was like just incredible to see that she and performed Fast Car, a rare performance, I believe, alongside Luke Combs, Luke who Combs, covered yeah. it last year. Yeah, because people were like, "Why is there a man here?" And it was like, no, "But he, he was he he, he sang it. That's he why. sang it brilliantly." And you know, he sang it like someone who loved the song. Is um, it a good song? Like, is, it's an incredible. song. Is it an all-time great song? It's an all-time great song. Is it an all-time great song? That is an all the the lyrics. Fast Car. The, like Tracy the, the problem. The problem with Fast Car is you just heard it too much. But the, yeah. the lyrics in that song are like, uh, 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 you know, they're like a like a poem. It's incredible. You know, it's 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 you know, it's institutional sort of poverty. It's like, you know, dreams. It's like it says so much. I think I think it's I think I genuinely like as a piece of craft. I think it's exceptional. I, I don't want to move off the Grammys, and in fact, I do want to talk about. Um, can we move from? So we, we had a little detour there in our fast car, if you will. Um, <laughs> I will. Love that. And now we're back on track. Um, so we're going to move from one um, outspoken uh, white American blonde lady singer songwriter who the internet are always very normal about, to another. Here's Phoebe Bridgers. Hi, congratulations. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys about the state of rock music. I feel like there'd been a period where people were calling it a lot of stagnation, but I think the past several years, particularly of like women excelling at this, have shown a new angle and prism that we really hadn't thought of. What do you guys think about what the future of rock is going to look like? I have something to say about women. <laughs> um, the ex-president of the Recording Academy, Neil Portnow, said that if women want to be nominated and win Grammys, that they should step up. He's also being accused of uh, sexual violence, so. Uh, and to him, I'd like to say, I know you're not dead yet, but when you are, rot and piss. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, That's that. pretty rock and roll. Um, I love that. Um, I, I just love the the person asking the question, being like, I love that. Yeah. Um, moving swiftly on. Man, what won't she say? Um, I do think it's fair in this instance, though, because the thing that Neil Portnoy said was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So do, do you do you do you, uh, do you not think that's that's good? I think that's I think no, no, no. I, think it's I do think it's roll, good, yeah, but I, I also it. think it's a bit eye rolly because I think that Phoebe Bridges is always like, oh man, she's just so edgy, you know. Ah, well, I mean, it's Jesus, totally fair. Give, give me, give me people who uh, what she said was totally fair. Yeah, but and, give me people who say shit like that rather than oh know. yeah, then the milk toast bullshit. But it was also just a little bit like, oh god, you can just tell she was like, I got something to say. It was like, oh she, here we go, it's gonna be something. Uh, I like Boy Genius. They won a bunch of awards. They won three three Grammys, Grammys yeah. and Phoebe Bridges won a fourth Grammy because of a SZA collaboration. So she had four. For for the for the trophies to take home with her, that's cool. Uh, to tell you, I was in a I was in a coffee shop a few months ago, and Julian Baker walked in. Yeah, I I believe you text me when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> we made eye contact, and I didn't say a word. Yeah, there you go. But you both knew. I think I think she knew I recognized her. Yeah, it was just like that awkward moment of her probably being like, "Please don't talk to me," <laughs> and, I, and I didn't. I left it at that. Right. Great tattoos. She's a heavily tattooed lady. They were playing that um, Kilmainham gig. Kilmainham, yeah, yeah. So that would make sense that Julian Baker just materialised in the coffee shop I was in. I was like, that's that's Julian Like Baker. Leonard Nimoy in The Simpsons. Kind of. She didn't um, phase out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Through the door. Mystic, uh, a mysterious mystical thing. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I agree with everything Phoebe Bridges said. Neil Portnow is a fucking scumbag and what he said about women needing to step up was dumb. Absolutely yeah. dumb. And this is, you know, living well is the best revenge. But it was also a Phoebe Bridges kind of, you know... 
I roll the edge Look, I'm allowed to have my, my cynicism. Uh, I wasn't the only cynical one at the Grammys. Jay-Z, for example, right? Uh, he got some award. Uh, I think it was called the... Jay-Z Award. Like, Dr. No, Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre something. Grand Artist Award or something. Mm-hmm. It was some kind of honorary thing. Yeah. Now, Jay-Z got on the stage and I guess he put everyone on blast. And I think we have some audio of that too, Adam, don't we? We absolutely do. Let's take a listen to what Jason Zed had to say, shall we? I'm just saying, we just, we want y'all to get it right. We love y'all. We love y'all. We love y'all. We want y'all to get it right. At least get it close to right. And obviously it's subjective. Y'all don't got to clap at everything. Obviously it's, sub- obviously it's subjective because, you know, it's music and it's opinion-based. But, you know, some things, you know, I don't want to embarrass this young lady, but she has more Grammys than everyone and never won album of the year. So even by your own metrics, that doesn't work. Think about that. The most Grammys, never won album of the year. That doesn't work. You know, some of you, some of you going to go home tonight and feel like you've been robbed. Some of you may get robbed. Some of you don't belong in the category. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that was it. No, when I get nervous, I tell the truth. That's a bar and a half, isn't it? It's Jay-Z there. Um, uh, BBC wrote an article saying, Jay-Z speech, do the Grammys have a Beyonce problem? Well, given that she's won 32 Grammys, I don't know if that's the case. But has she been shut out unfairly of the overall album of the year award, which, let's remind ourselves, Taylor Swift won this year and has won more, it seems, than Beyonce, who's well, never won. No, but this is what happens. Like, you know, the, like what happens is, is the most famous person in the room, um, you know, tends to do well because what they're doing is they're promoting the industry as well as promoting the individual act. So you're trying to reward the industry and you're also trying to reward the quality. And the problem is the two things are different. So if you actually chose the best album of the year, you know, and like really like went to town on it, a lot of people in that room wouldn't be in the conversation and that's not what they're doing. So they do have to kind of sprinkle around the kind of awards to everybody and like, you know, like the drummer from, uh, there was a piece somewhere, the drummer from uh, Arctic Monkeys' wife took to, (laughs) took to the internet and was like, well, we all know that was a robbery and he was stolen. I mean, they're all sitting there thinking that because I didn't win or whatever, like, I, I just, I'm sorry, you can't, be that level of artist without thinking that you were really good and know the amount of work that's put in and the team around you. And then when you go to these awards, you're like, well, of course I'm going to win everything because the amount of work and the amount of people who love what I do and the amount of records we sold and whatever else. But like, that's because of their mindsets. And almost every one of them, if you gave them a microphone and said, do you think you should have won? They would go, I really do think I should have. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, and then you have, you know, accusations of institutional racism because Beyonce hasn't won this award. I mean, I don't know. All I know is that I do think Renaissance is a much better album than Taylor Swift's Midnight's, but that's my decision on that one. And Again, I'm not it's not, on the Grammys, it's not so. based on the, it's not based on the quality. I, like, so what's it based on? Well, it's based on, it's based on who you are, like way more than, than that's why people win multiple, multiples of albums. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, sorry, of awards. It's because of who you are and what you represent. Um, much more than and else. I was looking at the uh, the nominees. Like some of the nominees are nominees that would be like you know, for example, wouldn't be nominated in their own country's album of the year awards, and they're up there. Like it's just it's like look, you know, without being cynical about it, that's how the industry works. This is a massive industry uh, backstopping event, and it's actually there to 
promote record sales in general and promote concerts in general. That's why every celebrity is there. And every guest has a guest who's as massive as them. And you get, you know, Stevie Wonder to sing over the... Because they're just trying to get everybody in. And it makes sense. And it's a great show. But it's, you know, it's it's not necessarily to do with the quality of anything. That's for smaller independent awards. That's not for the Grammys. Everybody really was there, including a lot of the old guard. Joni Mitchell was there for like... Joni yeah, Mitchell was there. Was it her first ever Grammys performance? Her first ever Grammys performance, yeah. Billy Joel was there. Um, Celine Dion, of course, who was snubbed by Taylor Swift. And finally, Annie Lennox uh, made a political statement. Yeah, she did. She, but, she did. some have argued, wasn't political enough. Well, I think she would have been very severely warned. She uh, said at the end of a tribute to Sinead O'Connor, or it was an in memoriam, wasn't it? And then, yeah. Like, so. No, she sang. She sang a, a whole song. Well, she sang a, a you know a, a chunk of uh, nothing compared to. You. She did a really good job. It's a hard song to sing, but mm-hmm. she did a really good job. She looked like she was really absolutely there with it, you know. And then at the end, she she because what they did was they had Stevie Wonder, and behind Stevie Wonder when he played. There was a huge amount of uh, 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 you know in memoriams play like uh, rolling around, and then it switched to um, it switched to Annie Lennox. She did it, and then there was a lot of in memoriams going around uh, behind her as well. Um, and I thought she did actually, like I, I did see people say that you know she said like ceasefire like, art, like it was really it was really bland artist ceasefire and like you know peace now or something she didn't say free Palestine she didn't say no. Palestine at all well, she, like, you, can't, you can't in that room you, she just said ceasefire which was which was the most combative thing she said and she was cut off pretty quickly it seemed in terms of the camera going somewhere it else did, the camera went away from her and went to something it hadn't done before which is what was being shown on the big screens because behind in the big screens there was pictures of people and their, their dates of birth and what they did or whatever and then it went to that and I think she, I would say she was warned and she got a rap on the knuckles because it was trying not to do that. But I Let's not make it political. I saw a lot ask, of people saying that, you know, oh, that's perfect driven Sinead O'Connor. That's what Sinead would have said. And I disagree. I think Sinead would have, would have actually used the word Palestine. I think she would have. Oh, been no, allowed. she would have. But she also wouldn't have been allowed to do it. But I mean, I think she would have been more combative and more. I, I would say that I would say that they were all warned no political grandstanding in any way, mm-hmm. even though they absolutely should. But I'd say they were like, it was like, I, I, and I wouldn't go, I wouldn't even be surprised if they had to sign something. So for her to do the, the smallest thing, absolutely fair play to her. Okay, I mean, like I say, some people have actually taken the other way, and they've they've condemned her for not being political enough. No, no, no. I think silence is way worse. No, no. I think she did. I think she did as much as she could do without, like, you know, it being a proper, like, you know, her getting, and you know, because she's a professional artist who wants to go to these things again. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's the Grammys, everybody. Um, can either of you, or both of you, hopefully. Um, and I, it briefly, I think, because there's a lot here. Um, can you tell me what's going on with TikTok and the record labels? I might run point on this, if that's all right with you, Kieran. Absolutely. So I've been doing a little bit of research on this because I joined TikTok last week, Dave. Wow. Yeah, it's it's that bad. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, it's it's fine. It's all for business purposes. But anyway, um, is it what club business? It, Are well, you selling? Oh, just like the production selling stuff, gummies. It's, you know, selling fire selling gummies. <laughs> CBD only. Um, <laughs> The so there's there's been a breakdown in uh, talks and um, a failure to reach an agreement between the Universal Music Group um, and TikTok in regards to rights usage for their music on the platform. Um, TikTok have come out swinging against Universal Music Group, saying, "Well, you know, you're fine, or you've walked away from these talks, basically like pointing the finger, um, saying that you know." And then kind of putting them on blast for not giving fair rights to their artists. And while they are right, Universal Music Group have have kind of 
fired their own open letter rebuttal. Both open letters are available to see online freely. Um, but both of them are pointing the finger at each other saying, you don't pay your artists fairly. And then the other one's saying, no, you don't pay your artists fairly. So Universal Music Group are now saying to TikTok, well, you're given even less than what we give, essentially, is what's implied. Um, there is no winner here. It's going to get resolved very quickly, I think. Um, but it's just, it's messy. I think it is a symptom of the industry. I think it, it is... The, the royalty rates and the rates that people are paid as rights owners for their music is awful. I think that even with the vested interests of Universal Music as rights holders of these massive, massive catalogues of bigger artists and, you know, smaller artists as well, like UMG have U2's masters as well. So like it's, it's not, it goes from small to big and there's, you know, local acts here who've, you know, are looking to be signed by Universal Music Group and, it's just majors don't seem to have these people's interests at heart. Well, we were on Universal as well, so yeah. Um, uh, like, first of all, it's I think this is a massive. Like, Universal are the biggest record label in the world. Yeah. Um, and they they've taken every artist off who is an artist on Universal, um, who has uh, any uh, any song that is a co-write with another artist of Universal yeah. and every song that contains a sample of a Universal act. Mm. That is like the majority of music of major label songs yeah. and a lot of big songs. This it's includes m- likes of Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, absolutely. Numerous, numerous. They numerous. say the something like 30% of of music yeah popular music and in, so, and in some territories even more like you know because some songs are you know some territories Sophie Alice Baxter Murder on the Dance Floor is now gone gone oh this is it and this is the thing it's having so, its viral moment as we discussed last week yeah but like this is I think I think this is a huge thing because as the amount of money that people pay uh, for physical and Delorento's uh, sorry uh, Driven Snow um, uh, do have physical if anyone wants to go to our bank yeah, camp, yeah uh, the Bandcamp link yeah. is in the Support show notes artists. everybody but uh you know, the reality of it is is that streaming and subscription services are the way forward. Yeah. That's what the, where the music industry sees. Where everyone consumes. So they're, now, yeah. they're like, we need to get our house in order. And TikTok are absolutely, like I was talking to um, uh, a label owner, a smaller label owner, and he said, they are now like 100%, everything else, every other social media is like secondary to trying to get your artist um, discovered on TikTok. So we're on TikTok, Driven Souls on TikTok, and it's, you know, bit of crack, uh, uh, and but we're on it to like, you know, try and be yeah, same reason s- as me. Try and so yeah. people get it as you know some of our music and they like it or whatever. But like, I'm not I'm not really into the marketing of it. We'll put up some stuff and we'll put up some songs and maybe people find it. But there are people who are 100 percent in. They do all the trends. They do all the hashtags. They do all the kind of um, the way you, you finger on the pulse kind of yeah. Thing, yeah. And you switch when, when when it changes its algorithm to they want it to be a long you know a widescreen. They flick to widescreen and then everything, you know, they want it to be over a minute but less than two minutes and every video is like that. So there's people who like, this is their entire attention is now doing that because of the promo and the discovery of TikTok. TikTok is incredibly powerful at that now, as you say, for murder on the dance floor. And then Universal are one of the biggest labels in the world. So they're both blaming each other. But the reality of it is, I think this is, it could be really, really interesting because if... Universal win here in any way that's that they consider a win. This could be also something that they use against, you know, Spotify or Apple Music, um, and that is, I think, I think it could be something great. But it also means what are they winning? Are they winning for the 
for the major label artists or are they winning for because Spotify have just made it made a change you know that they won't pay over yeah, a certain threshold, threshold yeah. which is a massive thing that's so it's fucking insane so like way. you know and I, I don't know the figures on this so I'm going to make up a figure 90% of songs on on Spotify are not like massive songs they're like you know just bands doing their music and putting it up and they've paid TuneCore to put it up or whatever mm, yeah. so loads of those songs are less than a thousand plays so none of them making any money it means that it looks. It means that it's even more closed off to independent bands. So, you know, I don't think necessarily Universal are fighting for all musicians necessarily. But like where this goes could be really interesting. As you say, I think it'll be resolved very quickly. But how it, resol- it is resolved is, I think, going to be really interesting because, you know, like where are how are people going to make money from music in the future like what is actually going to happen is I think it's just I think it's kind of fascinating yeah no it is it's like there's a lot of moving parts Um, if if anyone wants to do any further reading or or research on it there's um, a great YouTube video by Rick Beato he owns a he owns a studio in the States he's a a producer who's gone back years is it pronounced Beato? I think it's Beato yeah I thought it was Beato (laughs) Rick Beato Rick Beato Um, it's Rick I thought it was Rick (laughs) (laughs) Richica um (laughs) No, he he did a very succinct five minute video on it that was great. And Anthony Fantano, who you would have heard on last week's show, if you're not familiar with him, um, it was a clip. He wasn't here. Yeah, he wasn't here. <laughs> but, but welcome up for the encore anytime, Fantano. Is he? But um, yeah, yeah, I'd have him. Okay. I, I'd have him. But uh, yeah, he did a, a quite a good video, quite a good explainer on it, and just the you know the attrition between the two and like what's happening there. Um, really, really good explainers. Someone who had to do some explaining of her own was uh, Ireland's own Ao Edebiri. Do you know the actress? Mayo Edebiri. No, yeah. So she's in the Bear. You ever see the Bear? I have. I've actually just started watching on your recommendation. It's very good. It's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen two episodes. A lot of people talking over each other. She's yeah, yeah, lots of that. Yeah, she's great in it. Great. I really like her. Uh, I think the Bear is the best thing I've seen her in though so far. But the point is, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, there's this meme doing the rounds that she kind of started she did like an Irish impression at, in a, at a red carpet once or something or some awards thing and she had this ludicrous Irish accent and everyone thought it was hilarious and I maintain that if she wasn't like you know a letterboxed fave that people would be like this is actually really offensive um, I just thought the joke was kind of dead on arrival myself oh, I, thought it, I think it's really funny I think it sucks um, oh, and, and I think it's been ran into the fucking Christ. ground she's that's on, why it's funny no no it's not good and she, you know, but she was on Saturday Night Live she's on Saturday Night Live there at the weekend and Simi uh, did a good job I like I like her, I do like her. Uh, reason I'm bringing this up in a music podcast, primarily music podcast, I guess we're slipping constantly into the movie realm as well. The movie's entertainment zone with podcast. Peter McGann. Yeah, um, is yeah, <laughs> entertainment podcast. Uh, of record, of record. Well, she had a podcast of her own. Oh, before she got famous, and on that podcast, my greatest fear has now happened to her. That one day, Karen, of course, I will become massively famous, and I'll have to delete every episode of this podcast I've ever done. Because you'll find yourself at a party with someone and they'll be upset with you for something you said about them. And that person for AO Edebiri was the musical guest on her episode of Saturday Night Live, Jennifer Lopez. Let's hear what AO Edebiri had to say before she was famous. Today I was actually thinking about one of my favorite scams of all time um, because JLo is hosting or is uh, performing at the Super Bowl halftime yes, show. she is, which is a scam in itself. And her whole career is one long scam. Oh, the longest con. JLo can't sing. And did you know that JLo doesn't know that she can, can't sing? Well, that's the thing that is. <laughs> she did an interview and then she. 
she was like, she, I never knew that people didn't think I could sing. I thought I could sing. Like, she thought that she was on... She thinks she's on multiple tracks, but it's not her. <laughs> I think she, like... Or she thinks that she's still good, even though, like, she's not singing for most of these songs. Like... A lo- and I was reading up because I was just, I just, I was fascinated. I became fascinated for myself. And a lot of the, like, uh, like write-ups of the song will be like, J-Lo didn't have time to make it to the studio. Like, J-Lo was busy. It's like, doing what? <laughs> Not singing, obviously. Ha! Gotcha. That's right. That's what happens, isn't it? That's <laughs> what happens. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, they had to be on the same show together. Now, apparently Jennifer Lopez didn't react to this in any way whatsoever, and I have to imagine she has more important things to be doing with her Jennifer Lopez life. Uh, but there you go. Isn't it nice that somebody went on the internet and, like, res- uh, you always see it, it's always, like, comments have resurfaced uh, from, you know, <laughs> yeah. this podcast that she made with her friend. Uh, it's a funny bit, I thought. I think it's pretty funny, yeah. yeah, yeah. And maybe there's truth in it. I don't, I've never looked into this this conspiracy that Jennifer Lopez apparently can sing, but um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Karen? Oh, well, I mean, uh, I think this is just the Gen Z thing where, like, everyone has lived online and have say, has said countless terrible things about other people and then have to go. And yeah, cause so, it's like the politician thing, you know, like, in future, all these politicians will say absolutely terrible things online or even just really stupid shit online. And then it's there f- for everyone to read everything. Like, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, I didn't have, there was no social media <laughs> when I was a teenager because... I, you know, was, oh my God, yeah. I was a total idiot. If you get famous, just delete all your social platforms yeah. and or podcasts that you've been doing for years on end. Uh, well, how- there was one funny thing that happened to me. I was, um, I was reviewing uh, albums. So at one point uh, in about 2010, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, so there was a thing where the band mightn't continue and I was like freaking out about it. So I, I got... Um, I got to review albums for for a magazine. This is why I called you a journalist earlier on. So I reviewed albums and I found it impossible to say really bad things about albums because I could see the work that went in. And I also found it impossible to give albums really good reviews because none of them were whatever, you know, none of them were like, okay, computer or whatever, you know, one of these like five stars albums. So not Kid A for you famously though. Not Kid A. But the thing about it was, was I wrote this review of, of a Snow Patrol album and I gave it like a, look, they're a great bunch of lads, you know, fair play. This is, this isn't it guys. <laughs> this is not it. And I gave it three stars. And then a, a, someone in the paper wrote about how, what I really thought of, of uh, Snow Patrol. And then, like, like it was, there was a piece in the paper about me slamming, <laughs> slamming the 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 band. And then I got a phone call from a manager who was like, "We were trying to get support across the UK tour." But I was just sitting there going, "I uh, and I, ne- I never, I never wrote a review. I don't think I ever wrote a review of an album again." I was just like, "I'm not. I can't do it. It's, yeah, it's not worth the smoke." You can't live in both worlds. This is the problem. I mean, and also uh, the, the obvious other problem as well, that Ireland is so small it is. and so tiny and the yep. creative scene is so tiny and everyone knows everybody and you got to be, you can't say anything about anybody. And of course... Well, you can, you can if you're someone who can just walk it and be like, yeah, so uh, what? Yeah, but, uh, I, you know, I, did, I thought your album was, was okay. It was, it was okay. A.O. Edabiri knows this because, of course, she is from Ireland. That's true. She's a very proud Irish native. Uh, how did she handle the situation when it came back to her on SNL, Adam? I think we have some audio of her in some wacky game show segment in which she blurs the lines between comedic hijinks and real life problems. Okay, okay, we get- 
get it. It's wrong to leave mean comments or post comments just for clout or run your mouth on a podcast and you don't consider the impact because you're 24 and stupid. But I think I speak for everyone when I say from now on, we're going to be a lot more thoughtful about what we post online. There you go. Well owned, I would say. That's funny. Well owned. And finally in the new section, real quick, pour one out. Kerrang! Television is down. It's almost over. It's being pulled as part of a series of channels that are being removed from the world. And we all had our moments with Kerrang! TV, didn't we? I never had it, but I always remember if someone, if I went to like someone's house and they had it, I would try and, you know, without saying put on Kerrang! TV, I'd be like... What about this? Thing? How would you possibly like manifest this? Oh, way? I have my ways. <laughs> so if there was a, if there was a video when you turn it on, there's a video always on. What is that video for you? I've got two: uh, Mushroom Head, Solitaire Unraveling, and System of a Down, Chop Suey. A System of a Down, Chop Suey, and Papa Roach. The fucking Papa last Roach. Resort. Last, yeah, resort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. last Resort. Last Resort. I yeah. feel like they were on. Every All time. the average yeah. last resort I saw a million times. I also saw Smooth Criminal by Alien and Farm about four But you know that thing where they well. had the fisheye lens and it's a crowd oh, yeah. and they're in the middle of the crowd? That thing was done to absolute death. Actually, all of those three songs you've just said have that. Have the exact same yeah. thing, yeah. And it was that this thing in rock and the short pants and the limp yeah. biscuit. Oh my God, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, it's interesting. I, yeah, like it's a sad day, but it's just reflective of how, you know, the media has gone and everyone's looking at their phones and blah, blah, blah. But I do blah. think. I, like, but it was great for a time. I think that if, if I had money, which I don't, um, if I ever had money, I would I would make a music TV uh, uh, a music video channel. I would like I, I just don't understand why it doesn't make loads of sense because the you don't have to make any content. Uh, you could do over you could do text on screen and you could do you know talking into a microphone like a DJ does. Mm. I, surely you, it could do it for really really cheap and just do a really good quality, always just good music playing around. Like I don't. Uh, like um, I, I don't know how to make a TV station. Yeah, and I, if I said did, if I won the lottery, I'd, I, I'd do like a really good print music magazine, and you yeah. could write your album reviews in there. Oh uh, no! I can no. give you a pseudonym. Two and a half out of five for three, three stars. Yeah, Craig three stars. Fitzpatrick. That, that, that can be your pseudonym, and you can say whatever you want under, under that, that would banner. Be funny. No, I couldn't. Right, uh, top five time. Um, Songs about dreams uh, and nightmares in honour of the debut album of Driven Snow, A Kind of Dreaming, which you can get right now. And you can have a physical, dreamy copy if you Very just... Good. And if you buy a copy, you get a colouring book that we made as well, which is... Uh, I thought that was so cool. It's just fun. When I read that, I just thought it was the coolest it's thing It's fun. Ever. I've got one in my bag somewhere for you, so... Oh. Yeah. You've always done, like, cool stuff with Delhi. Like, there's a magazine that you made before for We made a magazine. That we, did, we did a podcast for our third album, which I know everyone does fucking podcasts now. Oh, my God. But at the time... What's wrong with that? Did you do, the like, time, the, the making of kind yeah. of thing? That's so cool. But that was 2012. That. And, I, look, I know it felt like it was a big thing. But one of the cool things we did was we, um, we did um, pop-up shops in 2012 and we um, played in you know post-recession shopping centres and places that were closed in Cork we played in like an absolute like fire hazard so we ended up having to you know like we actually had to play in the street outside because it was so dangerous the the, the shop inside it was amazing but anyway um, so yeah we always did cool stuff that was good but like it's I think it's fun you know like add to what you're doing just and look you know you know actually one of the days we did this thing where we, I, um, this is kind of lame, but we thought it was fun. Um, we just got a couple of the coloring books and we took out the pages and we gave all the kids. So the, the, there was five of us around the table coloring, and then we'd like mix them up, and then someone would finish off someone mm. else's. So and then we put them into the albums and sent them out. So everyone got like a kind of unique 
colouring book page. I mean, some people might just be like, this is complete trash, but some people might think it's fun. And it's just, it was just a bit of fun, you know. Anyway, wh- wh- what are we doing? Uh, we're, doing, we're, doing uh, <laughs> we're doing top five. Uh, there was a word that you used there, though, that made me think. So I'm on nightmares, by the way. I, I might go first if that's cool, because it means you get to finish. You get to finish this and you finish in a dreamlike state. Yes. Uh, it's pretty, I don't think I need to explain the top five. It's songs about dreams and songs about nightmares, right? Yeah. So that's what we're doing. I but actually I, think I, I was very excited about it. I actually thought it was a really good, you suggest, I suggested dreams and you suggested dreams slash nightmares yeah. I was like I was like it'd be nice done it again to mix it up I mean I considered sitting this one out because of course Kieran famously doesn't like when podcasts are long but uh, we're, well, we're, uh, we're going to crack you. we're going to crack two hours here easy so oh fuck <clears throat> I mean we had go on we're an, we're an hour ten in at the moment fantastic yeah. uh, well I'll, I'll drag it out further by just mentioning real quick there's a word that you used there a moment ago which made me think of this I don't want to miss it it is tied together uh, I did struggle with finding five viable nightmare songs it's, it's more harder than you might think and uh, Adam was helping me out at one point and he made a hell of a suggestion that I did not pick thankfully <laughs> is this the one I think uh, Adam is? suggested uh, the song Propane Nightmares <laughs> by the band Pendulum and I literally went like my response to you was oh my god Pendulum and I went maybe one of the worst songs of all time I might have to include it and then uh, I, I threw it on naturally enough and I went I texted Adam and I said the kick in on this fucking Pendulum song I said I'm listening here and I'm transported immediately back to, th- to 2008. So stupid. Adam's response was, <laughs> oh yeah, recession legends pendulum. <laughs> and then you said, anyone from 2008, 2009 you like to refer to as? Uh, uh, the soundtrack to the financial crisis. <laughs> yeah. Stunning. Right. It's fitting that we were talking about crying TV because my first song in the nightmare realm sounds a bit like this. Yes, so that was Dickie Rock uh, with... Uh, <laughs> with rocking around. Uh, it's Rammstein. The song is Mine Hurts Brent. Do you know what that means? Um, um, mine Hurts Brent. <laughs> no. It means my... Is, the, is, it, is it a colour? No. My Heart Burns is what it means. Uh, it's a song, uh, this, according to Genius.com, which is a great place to go to, by the way, it gives you lyrical annotations and such. This is a song about how men are bound to hide their feelings since late childhood. And the song pictures this like a child's nightmare that hardens one's heart. The lyrics are, uh, you know, it's all about the Sandman. Yeah. You know? Um, and I didn't pick Enter Sandman, but I was going to say, I was like, he's got to pick Enter no, Sandman. No, I didn't pick it. I did suggest you pick it. I thought it was too obvious. But this is kind of the same thing. It's a metal band. It's less obvious, I think. It's about the Sandman. Um, I had a moment with Rammstein, and it was entirely due to Crying TV, because if I recall correctly, when I started buying the magazine and when the television channel first surfaced, the promo for the TV channel had Sonna by mm. Rammstein in it. And then that, of course, is my natural association from there on in. Had a brief, I think, flirtation with this band, like a brief fascination with them. Never got fully into them. Never saw them live. And apparently live, like... The flames on their shows are so fucking hot over the crowd that you can actually feel it like, singeing your eyebrows and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I did buy 
the album uh, Mutter, I believe it was mm. called, which has this on it. This is the opening track. Has Duhast on it as well? Duhast is on a previous There's a previous record. one. That's the one that I remember the, Like when I was like, what Duhast is, is incredible. It's like this rave metal song. Yeah. In fact, when I was in, um, I mentioned on the show last week that I went to see that Smith's tribute band uh, with Richard. Um, you loved the, them. All, these young men? These, these charming ch- men. These charming men. They were very, very Brilliant. good. Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Young was, does not always equal charming. It was fucking it. great. And um, afterwards, we hung out in the bar for a bit. Because uh, when we went to the bar in Whelan's in the front bar, they were blasting like Alive by Pearl Jam. And the entire pub was like singing along. And then like they were playing like other stuff like uh, they did Linkin Park and Jay-Z. Richard and I got very excited. Do you know the one, one the thing? The point is that they played Do Hast by Ramstein, yeah, and I was like, "What's happening?" <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say. Um, uh, so I work uh, uh, on a Sunday night uh, in Radio Nova, and one of the things that happens a lot is people text in for like massive bands. So they'd be like, "Bit of Beatles for Jerry there," you know. And you're like, <laughs> "Jerry, <laughs> like, do you need like you don't need me to play the Beatles for you, surely?" You know. And uh, I always think that's really funny. People are like, "Drive away your listeners." No, no, I won't. I think it's great, but I think it's funny to, to request like from a radio station like <laughs> Pearl Jam, which happens a lot. And they're like, uh, "Stick on a bit of Pearl Jam." And you're like, but "Can you not put on? I'll play it for you." But you know, that's not what we're people anyway. like the classics, man. They do like the classics, and they, they listen do. to Radio Nova to hear rock music. Yes, who likes rock music? That's me doing my real blood thing, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody know what rock music is? Who likes rock music? Yeah. That was good. Um, yeah. And actually, I, I, had a, I had a brief fascination. I'd with say them. they'd be brilliant crack live. Apparently, they're amazing live, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they played Belfast. I think it was last year or maybe the year before. My friend went to it and said it was the best gig he's ever been to. So also on that record, you have, like I say, you got this one. This is the opening track. You have the aforementioned sauna and you have uh, Lynx 234. That was a fucking absolute belter. And World again, beater. Kerrang TV era legend so yeah so I want to get into the Nightmare Realm by, by a song that's literally about a child's nightmare so Maybe. you can ask you because I'm going to ask you in a second what was your what would you, did you have any loose criteria for the songs um, I wanted them to be I'm, I'm usually quite abstract on that but I wanted ones that kind of made references to it being about a nightmare for the most part I have got one in particular which I think you could, you could argue either way uh, but also I, like I'm, I have nightmares all the time that's a genuine thing. Like, it's a rare night for me if I don't have a nightmare, and I'm not. I'm not saying that to say I'm like fucking. Oh, he's so broody and dramatic and whatever. It's I anno- think you're very broody and dramatic. Thanks. It's annoying. Like, it's. I think you're very no. <laughs> <laughs> it's irritating. Go on, keep going. Um, yeah, I, I honestly like if if I I'm often like shook awake by a nightmare in the middle of the night and they can be like a lucid dream or it can be something very kind of mundane. And I've had nightmares the vast majority of my life, and it sucks. I wouldn't recommend it. I have uh, I have a lot of trouble getting to sleep. I my brain doesn't shut down. Same, and, yeah. And so I use sleep prompts. Did you ever do sleep prompts? No. How does that work? Tell us more. So I use. Don't listen to this podcast right now while operating heavy machinery car. or driving. Yeah. So I use sentences. So uh, a sentence, and it'll start me off, and I'll daydream about the sentence until I can. So that I focus. It's like sort of like a mantra. So like I might have like you've won one hundred and eighty-two million. Uh, euros and nobody knows and that's a sentence so then I will daydream about how that's happened and I'll run the scenario and I'll go into extreme detail and whatever um, and there's loads like that um, and when I was younger they were you know they, they it's funny how they've developed like now there's like stuff about um, I have one that I go back to about um, you can click your fingers and, and somebody leaves 
wherever they are and they end up somewhere else sort of thing. Uh, I won't get too much on that one. But the point of that is, is like, you can, you know, you can save someone or you can, you know, you can uh, take a politician out of where they are and put them into a prison cell or whatever, nonsense. But the point doesn't matter what it is. The point is that you just make up whatever the thing is. And run with the scenario. And run with it. And, and, but when I'm really tired, um, I know I'm tired because I start running the sleep prompts in my head and it's so weird. I'll be walking around like a shopping centre at like eight o'clock and I'm wrecked. And I'll be like going, you've won 182 million. And nobody knows. I'm like, you've won 100. I'm like, oh no, I need to, I need to get home. I need to drink some coffee. I need to do something. <laughs> yeah. Get so, to the car immediately. So when I was doing this, my criteria was that I wanted stuff that felt that it had the feeling of being dreamy. So I didn't choose uh, Gabrielle by Dreams by Gabrielle. Good, that's but terrible fucking I didn't song. choose Stop right now. I, that's a great song. I didn't Awful choose uh, Dreams by the Cranberries, Dream On by Aerosmith, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. I didn't do any of that kind Last of stuff. Last really good. <laughs> but I tried to just do stuff that had the feeling of dreams or connected with dreaming. And that's that's where that's where I came from. So will I do my number five? Yes, please. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So um, this, uh, f- this number five on my list is a band that are probably not known for their gentler stuff, known for their heavier stuff, but um, might be one of the uh, might be one of the greatest bands in the world. Yeah, so that is Gabrielle and Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've, I've just been won over suddenly. Fair enough. Okay, so um, that is Nirvana, something in the way. And there's a personal thing to that as well. Uh, first of all, I think that it's amazing. Are you the Batman? I, I haven't seen, well, I haven't seen any films ever, but um, I haven't seen <laughs> that film and apparently it's You're really missing good. out. Yeah. Yeah, the Robert Pattinson Batman from two years ago now, or thereabouts, has this. Is it a good film? It is good. I was disappointed the first time I saw it. I thought it was better the second time. Yeah, rewatch is good. It's still got a lot of problems, but it's mostly good, I suppose. And they use the song in a couple of times. And it's the Joker Joker version of Batman in that world, sort of, right? How do you mean? The Joaquin Phoenix version. No, 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 they're not connected. Oh, but I thought that was the world of it. Or no, okay, maybe I'm wrong. No, no, no. It's dark, though. It's dark. It's It's so so edgy. You think I'm brooding? Let me tell you. Robert Pattinson is Batman. Yeah. Yeah. They're just going to get darker and darker until it's just like... Top root. Uh, until it's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the point is that is Nirvana something in the way. Um, I love that song. And I it, it's... It's... Like, in the way that dreams are, it's like... It's sludgy and it's like, you know, imperfect and it's kind of laboured at points. And it's... I don't know. But one of the things that I think is really a big deal about this is that when I was... Um, Oh, 15, 16, I got five albums from a CD club. It was the first albums I ever bought for myself. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, it was. A, and it was the Benz. It was the two good Nirvana albums. Uh, it was uh, um, something else. Dookie by Green Day. And um, I listened to them nonstop. For a little while, they were the only albums I had. And I would sometimes fall asleep to this song. And it would get to the end of this album and I'd fall asleep. And then I got <laughs> rudely awakened by like uh, 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 Endless Nameless, which is the like, really heavy song. But this song kind of ties in with me listening to albums until I went to sleep, like putting it on and falling asleep. But um, yeah, I, I love it. I love the album. And it is, it is something quite amazing. But 
Are you about to play a Nirvana song? No, no. I, no, no, no. I, I wanted to jump in. Do you know, <clears throat> do you know how this was recorded? Uh, I do. I actually, do you know what the maddest thing was? Um, so he did, he recorded a song, a demo. Did you ever hear the demo on Montage of Heck? No, um, I haven't heard the demo. No. So it's this like free, free, I don't know, what, what's the word? It was just like, just he's just jamming and making noise mm. and singing random stuff. And it's like this eight minute demo and it's, three bits of songs and at the end of the bits of songs he slows down and he starts tapping out a rhythm on the it's really interesting check it out like you can hear his process in it and he starts tapping out the um, the rhythm of this song as he's like still the, the reverb from the last song is still going it's all kind of a medley and then he starts singing the melody of this with different words and you're like oh shit that's something in the way it's mm. mad and uh, yeah it's amazing but I know he sang it incredibly quietly or something yeah so he was actually just mumbling it on a couch he was lying down on a couch and the guitar had broken a string so that's why you can only hear like the two bottom strings I can totally yeah. um, and it, like it, it got to the stage where I think they had tried it to do it whatever way and Butch Vig kind of heard this going on and was like I'm, stay where you are I'm just going to mic you up and do it like this so that was the basis of it was was that and it was it was done with him lying down thank on God, a couch like, in the control room but I have to say like thank God for Butch Vig um, and because I just don't think I think if they never had Butch Vig and they kept doing albums like with Steve Albini and they did In Utero which is awful awful mess and it's hugely overrated and it's just a fucking waste of time of an album and I'm, like that album is so frustrating because if they put the work into that album like they put into Nevermind if Kurt wasn't on this um, thing where he had this self-destructive thing and he's deliberately choosing uh, producers that he knows you know the studio doesn't like and whatever else Steve Albini is an amazing, amazing producer but you know like Butch Vig was able to identify where the melodies were and bring them out and S Steve Aldini, Albini wouldn't do that he would record the band as they saw themselves and the problem was that the band as they saw themselves like it was just too I just I'm going to get this wrong in how I feel about it but that album in Euro frustrates me so much because there's brilliant songs on there and he's a brilliant writer and he has a brilliant sense of the song Kurt does but he made like you know Steve Albini wasn't doing that he was putting brilliant mics in the room and he he was like I met Steve Albini we chatted about this album and chatted about the stuff he did with the Pixies and all that kind of thing and but his thing was not to to mine for the song. It was to it was to follow the artist's vision. Whereas Butch Vig was had a a melody. He, he kind of chipped away at the marble. Yeah, say what so people. So speak, like, yeah. That's been rewritten a million times. That like you know you know they they wrecked that album. I, I I totally disagree. I think all the power, all the passion, all the songs were there with Nirvana. With, never mind, and Butch Vig, you know, double track vocals, and you know, mm. spent like multiple takes and pushed the band. And they did amazing stuff. And I think, thank God for him getting the best out of them, I think. And like people won't agree with me with that, but I think strongly because I think I listen to In Utero and I hear a wasted opportunity and I hear like, uh, fuck. <laughs> number four for me. <laughs> Before we get to my number four, just a reminder, we are talking about nightmares. Here's actor Frankie Muniz who played uh, Malcolm of Malcolm in the Middle fame. Here's a tweet of his from 2014. Quote, I have about four dreams a week that I get shot in. Last night... Oh, yes, yes, I remember this. <laughs> Jesus. Last night, I could actually feel the burn of the bullets yes, yes. as they entered my chest and heart. Oh, my God. And here's my number four. I tried to scream, but 
when my head was underwater They called me weak Like I'm not just somebody's daughter It could have been a nightmare But it felt like they were right there And it feels like yesterday was a year ago that is Billie Eilish. The song is Everything I Wanted. It's a standalone single from 2019. And it feels really, really weird uh, for me to be like, hey, this is underrated. Because it was, you know, top charts, including in, in Ireland as well. Did you know that? Number one. It, it, um, it felt like it was everywhere at the time. I, I felt like I heard it a weird, all the time. Like, it got nominations at the Grammys, I think, for like Song of the Year and stuff. But yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like it's one of her more underrated cuts. I could be wrong. It has I, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of views, etc. Listens, um, but I think it's quite beautiful. Um, it began as a feeling of uh, a, a way to convey her depression that she was kind of going through, and she said that she had a dream, she had a nightmare in which she died after jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, and nobody cared. And from there, she kind of made this unbelievable, like kind of like I always thought this was like a late nineties radio, UK radio kind of listen. Like like a nice you know kind of like Atlantic two five two, the love zone or something. Um, I just think it's so gorgeous. The nightmare zone. Yeah, uh, it's so gorgeously minimal. Um, there's obviously a ton of stuff going on because you know her songs are obviously very heavily produced, but I think it's a fucking classic. And I also find myself in a weird kind of thing with Billy Eilish now, where I'm like I'm a little bit I'm a little bit over it, mm. but a song like this kind of brings me back in. I think like it, this stands so high on its own merits. This song and I. There's part of me that agrees with what you said about the heavy production, but there's part of me that disagrees because if, if it, obviously we all are aware, but if you're not aware, um, a lot, if not most of Billie Eilish's work is produced by Phineas, her brother, um, who is very... He's very abstract in his processes. He likes to use a lot of found sounds. He tend, he's, he's quite minimalist in his approach. You can hear that in this song. There's not a whole lot going on. Um, I think she is. I think her and Phineas, I think they're fucking cool. I think they make yeah. really interesting music. And I think they they are properly doing something a little bit different in, you know, in that space. That's yeah. a weird way of saying it. No, you know what I mean? It's the, like, it's the real... Like as a producer, you look for those those bonds, the producer artist bond that it just it's a synergy. It just works, and this just works. It doesn't matter whether it's super maximalist, like you know, bad guy can beat maxim. Like it's maximalist depending on what way you look at it, but it's totally minimalist on the other side of it. Like famously, one of the hi hats is taken from at the you know when like the pedestrian crossing goes, and you hear that 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 like noise when it goes green. Oh yeah, that's the hi hat. That's I did not know that. A, it's an Australian one. It's taken from a recording that Phineas did in his phone. Fuck, yeah. that's good. It's it, like it, his <laughs> processes are so fucking cool. He's got such a he's got such a good ear for all of these little things. He's, he seems to be just constantly finding stuff. Seems like a nice guy. Is a great interview with him on a on a YouTube channel called Pensado's Place. It's really really good. Yeah, check I, it out. Like I I I think she's great. Um, I, I've said before. I you saw, saw her, you saw her in London. Saw right? her in London in the Brixton Academy. I think it was mm-hmm. the O2 something. I mean, I'm I'm not familiar with the venues over there. Uh, it was my first ever trip to London, and I went to like a show, and it was at the time that she was very much. You know, like it was about to happen on right? the meteoric rise was happening and it was like you're like well she's never playing a venue like this ever again so it was a real it was a hell of an experience and she was fantastic I think she's fucking amazing I, I love this minimal stuff though like, I love like, I remember when this arrived it was like 
I remember, like, I was in Dahi's house, and like, it just, I think I just threw it on, like, on his television or something, and I was just like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I was like, this is just, it's so immediate and powerful without going huge, and she's very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this felt like it fit into the tapestry perfectly, and it does feel like a dream. It does feel like, like I say, like, that's why I had that late night kind of 90s vibe, but just felt like I was kind of, you know, in, like, my childhood bedroom or something listening to a radio station, which which I thought, I think is a, a gorgeously evocative thing to feel. But it is about nightmares, so it counts. Ha ha. Yes. Uh, also, um, her, uh, the most recent song, the, the Barbie song. Um, what was I made for? Oh, like, honestly, I think that's an excellent song. <laughs> and I think it's really, I think it's really beautiful. And it's about something so, I mean, it's a, a corporate kind of vibe. And, you know, you're writing a song for a corporate film. It's, you you could go very wrong. And I think she manages to do something really soulful with it. I think that's a gorgeous song. The Bond song was great as well. I thought I thought that was a really good. Oh, Bond yeah, theme. yeah. I don't yeah, know it the was Bond the song. best one in a while. No time to die. She's really put a foot wrong uh, musically. Anyway, that's my number four. Let's have your uh, number... Four. four yep um so this is my number four this is i don't know like i think about dreams is they're not always the same i think uh and i was thinking about the fact that like sometimes in dreams you're running and you're being chased and you're doing whatever and this is like m- the most upbeat i think uh song on this list but it is properly the way dreams are i think it just skips between feelings and it has like uh anyway i'm, I'm saying too much Roll, roll the tape. Absolutely love Tame Impala. The best Tame Impala songs are just unparalleled. I think they're amazing. There's one with a bass rift. Uh, I can't remember what the name is. Is this the best one? Is Let It Happen, isn't it? Yeah, it's Let, Let It Happen by Tame Impala. You're Kevin thinking, Parker. You're thinking of the that that bass. No, I'm thinking of the one that goes that narrows down. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. This was this is anything could happen, isn't it? Um. No, this is uh, let, let it happen. happen. Oh, anyway. let it happen. Sorry, yeah. the the other one is like right on the tip of my tongue. I'm actually there's, 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 there's people screaming. There's a video. In their headphones uh, right there's now. video that he did, and I think it's for it's an ad for something. But like, it's him and his ridiculously cool fucking you know the house like, in L.A. or whatever it is, ri- like overlooking a river kind of yeah. cabin thing he's in, and like. It's him walking around and like it cuts from him like, you know, he's he's making orange juice, but he's put a loop on over here and now he's putting this loop on, he's picked up the guitar and he's putting this into it and it's just like all these loops kind of come together as he goes about his day. And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen and heard in my life. Yeah, I, I love, I, like, do you know something? Um, the less I know, the better. Less know, yeah, that's right. That's amazing. But yeah. the thing about it is, is that like, I love where there's like, you know, nothing is getting in the way of the groove. Loads, loads of his stuff are just have an in, in, infectious groove to them and they're incredible and that this definitely does. But anyway, um, this uh, this song's about giving yourself up to the forces you can't control, apparently. And, uh, like, that's what dreaming is, you know? And um, also, I just love the song. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to play it. It's got an incredible elongated uh, the, back half. You're the say. seven minute version. Oh, yeah. the, the rise and fall. But you know, the when those vocals thing, come back in, finally, you're just like, oh my God, this oh is my just, God, it's, like, it's heavenly. Yeah. But one of the things is when you're looking for songs about dreams and you're like, because the thing, I, one of my favorite things in music is beautiful melancholy. So I am just, uh, 
like not sad and not necessarily happy, but like that in between space. And when you when you when you love beautiful melancholy and you're looking at songs about dreams, you're like, oh no, hold on, is this about death as well? <laughs> is it about letting go, going into death? And I was like, a couple of these songs, I was like, hmm, could be a kind of a death vibe to this. And then I was like, oh, what does that mean? But anyway, let's not get into it now. Block out those, block out those, uh, those thoughts. Um, I'm on the same wavelength, though. I mean, even like you know, like there's there's a track called "Leaving You Behind" by I think it's Herman and Klein or something, and like Mick Pope sends it to me. It sounds like something out of Heat. Sounds, it sounds like it would have been used as like you know, the, like a, a rejected piece of music for the finale, and it's fucking unbelievable. And it's just like there's like this kind. Of, you're talking about found sound. There's this thing of like you can hear like uh, the tannoy in what I imagine to be some kind of Tokyo. Like subway. a subway station. Yeah. Oh man, it's that like, kind you know, of foley is so good. Cars one and two yeah. are super seats, and and then there's this rising thing, and I'm like, this is the fucking, and I like, I just get this massive hit of beautiful melancholy, and it takes me somewhere else, and I fucking adore it. But see, the, the thing is that, so uh, you know, I don't know, but like, I think a lot of music is you choose music sometimes because you want it to suit your mood. And then sometimes you choose music because you want to get into its mood. Um, and I mean, that's very simplistic, but I, I think a lot of it kind of boils down to that. And the thing is that sometimes when I put on music, because I want it to sympathize with my mood, I realize that I am tired and I am a bit worn out and I'm sitting in that melancholy space. And sometimes you can wallow, but but sometimes it's the most beautiful hug that you could kind of get. And this song is, it's such a hug like of a song. It's just like, it just sits around you. I love it. Uh, number three for me is much more anthemic, I guess. Um, it's kind of a, I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know if this is like, a, it made much of an impact when it came out, but like it's, it's an interesting band for me because they got one incredible song. Top Loader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Top Loader. Sorry to spoil it for you. Let's listen to some Top Loader, everybody. Yeah, uh, Karen had the exact reaction of what I was trying to put into words there when I put this on. You just went, "Oh yeah, them, yeah," uh, and then you're like, "Who are they? Who the fuck are they? <laughs> Can you name the band?" No, I can't. No, top loader. I don't know. It's Band of Horses. Oh, Band of Horses. Yes, it is. And um, I remember the cover, and it was really ornate. Yeah, I, had, yeah, I think I have it. The yeah. song is called "Is There a Ghost?" But uh, the song I think most of us would know by them is "The Funeral," which is an amazing, 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 amazing song. Uh, but this is more about a nightmare, I suppose. Uh, it's actually about the the front man. Uh, his name is Ben Bridwell. Uh, he talked about at the time when this came out. He said, um, "I suffer from paranoia really badly, and the thing that inspires me most is once I get into a horrible, isolated area, I think I'm being watched." I've written songs that are based specifically on that feeling. Is there a ghost? Which is the name of the song? Was based on an ice maker in my house that was freaking me out. Um, <laughs> so, like, I've because like I still I still have this problem. You know, where it's two in the morning and I think of something that will freak me out. Usually the Blair Witch Project yeah, or, yeah. or the Japanese film Ring. Or Skin a Rink. And then Skin a Rink, which fucked me <laughs> up last year when I saw it. And I, I'm not kidding. I, I'm not proud of this, right? But I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I, I couldn't stop opening my curtains a crack 
for about eight months after seeing it. I, I, I've only recently gotten back to pulling wow. my curtains all the way closed. I'm 39 years of age. I saw a film called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm okay with horror films generally. It's if they're films. You've seen a stories. film? Well, I, yeah. Not, I haven't <laughs> seen a film in the last nine and a half years. And I don't need to go into that. That came out in, I want to say, 2005, possibly. Yeah, 2005. I would have been. Yes, that's a really good guess. That's probably what it was. Yeah, I was working in exhibition. And I have never, it is nothing, no horror film has ever affected me as much as that. And I think it's because I grew up in a really Catholic sort of house. And it's a very Catholic, you know, exorcisms and all shit and fuck I, it, it, it damn it like it actually da- I don't know what it like it damaged my brain if or something. possession stuff gets you no there's a Korean film no I won't <laughs> called, called The Wailing no thanks and the last I want to say 10-15 minutes of that film haunted me and left me feeling so uncomfortable in such a way that I felt that I was genuinely watching something that was constructed out of evil in the last 15 minutes or so right. is this the one on your letterbox review said that's the most Dis- disturbing thing I've ever seen in my life. Or no, something I don't know like about that. that now, or but, it was more like not going to watch that again. No, for oh, no, 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 no. I, I went to see the Zone of Interest. That's recently, what it was, which yeah. is much different. Yeah, that's yeah. about Nazis. Oh, that's like awful. Yeah. And I said I'll never watch that again. It's yeah. Brit- Zone of Interest is fucking brilliant, by the way, but mm. it's a horror of a very different kind. Um, so yeah, like it, it's like this. I guess this is what I took from this song. Is like yeah. you know, it kind of your mind playing tricks on you. You know, particularly when you're on your own in the house or it's three in the morning and you hear a strange noise. Um, I'm not really a ghost person but I've heard a lot of shit I can't explain on it. maybe it's your brain being overtired and kind of you know coming up with all kinds of whatever uh, but it's an uncomfortable experience Karen. Yeah no I, um, I can't watch films about uh, kids dying I can't do it I can't watch films about parents losing kids it doesn't have to be a horror film I can't do it I just I just I, I actually I just I, I never cried at films I probably you know I've cried at films a lot since in the last couple of years, and it's really weird because I kind of, I, I'm kind of not, I'm unfortunately, unsentimental about sort of, you know, in media. I don't really, you know, songs can make me really upset if I want them to. If I want to choose, if I choose to be that way, a song can absolutely kill me. But film, I'm just like, this is oh, that's that's the where this, <laughs> that's where the the director is behind this scene. How do they shoot this? You know, I, I can't, you know. Um, you too, yeah. You, you just deconstruct everything in front of you. Yeah, um, I do bits with songs, but I, I, I kind of, I can kind of not allow myself to do that. But with films, I'm just like, yeah, oh, they must have shot this a load of times. Did they just destroy that whole building? They must have cost a, <laughs> a record, but like a film about, yeah, I can't. Anyway, um, will we move on to my number three? Yeah, well, sure. I would love to change the mood. Uh, uh oh, no. Uh, yes. So, um, in right in the middle of beautiful melancholy is. I think maybe one of the most perfectly constructed songs, and I'm not being, I'm not exaggerating or being hyperbolic. I actually think this is one of the most beautifully constructed songs ever written. And it's your number three. It's my number three. <laughs> Gonna see the river man. Gonna tell him all I can about the plan. If it tells me all I knows about the ways river flows. Joe, that is? I do not know who this is. That is Nick Drake. And that song's called River Man. It's from his debut album, Five Leaves Left. And I, we didn't have the clip, the, the bit of it where the strings come in, but it is just 
genuinely one of the most it's just incredibly beautifully recorded uh, and the sound of the instruments and everything and it's a gorgeous gorgeous song it, it, like it is one I think I don't know it's really sad story about him um, he probably drowned no, he he overdosed on antidepressants when he was twenty six. Oh. So he released his debut album. That's his debut album when he was twenty. Um, and he released another That's album. Twenty. Co- he's twenty when he made that. Twenty when he made that. Yeah. He sounds so world weary at that. Like he he is. There's there's years in that voice. Yeah. yeah, he's genuinely exceptional, and he kind of he kind of died without anyone know who he was. Um, so he had another album called Brighter Lighter, Brighter Later. Shit, I can't remember. Um, and it's a little bit more it's just a bit more of a fuller album and then he went back to his final album which is called Pink Moon which people some people say is his masterpiece I think I prefer this one but anyway um, and then I think he died a year later than that but it's a very tragic story but there's low it's funny he's really right in that central kind of um, beautiful melancholy vibe like but he's an incredible writer and he influenced just a huge amount of people afterwards but I think there was a there was a um, a kind of a I suppose a best of couple of years later that was really big and it kind of brought people back to what he did but um, like I wouldn't be an expert in in him but what I've you know I've kind of investigated because of this song I've kind of investigated some stuff and like it's incredible like the string arrangements like the lyrics the the wisdom I suppose and I suppose sometimes people who have that kind of I don't want to say there's sometimes there's people who have a sort of a uh and people can change, but a kind of a doom, they feel a little doomed. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that he was, but it felt like a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, his life was sort of leading, you know, because of his mental health stuff. And yeah, it's very tough. But even the, the title of the song is Five Leaves Left, a title of the album is because when you used to get rollies, when you had five leaves left, you get a warning that it was going to run out. And like, it's like his life was sort of, you know, the albums he made were kind of warnings that his life was going to run out. And uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful. And it is so dreamy. And the strings, if you don't know the album, go and check it out. But the strings, I, like, they're, like, they're beautiful. Like, like I, I, I actually, I'm like, who, like, who wrote this? Like, it's like, it's just incredible. Because you're just, I can't believe that someone who isn't, like, a really established artist who can call on anyone he wants could do something as accomplished, you know, his first time. Anyway, I, I could talk about the song. It's beautiful, Riverman. Um, I try and get it on the show when I can. From 1969 as well. Like when you think of what was going on in 1969, like you know, Led Zeppelin had just come out. It's the start of that sort of 70s rock, Pink Floyd, all that kind of thing. And like this gorgeous, you know, folky kind of vibe is going on over here. You know, yeah. Like Nick Drake for me has always been a reference point. Um, that I've steered away from for whatever reason. I think it's one of those names that's intimidating when you see it written down on paper because just like the legacy and hearing people talk about it in reverential tones, for whatever reason, I've just never explored his work, which is, you know, my ignorance, which I hope that we can hope that we can. But why don't, I, why don't I make you a playlist? Of Nick Drake? Yeah. Well, that, well okay. Is it more melancholic than beautiful or is it? It's very beautiful melancholy. Because yeah. I was thinking about making you a, a beautiful melancholy playlist, but we'll see. We'll figure this out. Oh yeah, no, I'm into it. We'll figure this out. We'll, chop, the, we'll chop this up. Um, but what I include my, my, my number two on this one, that's the question, my silver medal this week. And I think that, you know, you might, you might make the argument that it's not about a nightmare really. Um, it's very literal. 
for this topic. I do think it's about a nightmare. I do think that there's a lot of doom in this. Use the word doom. Uh, a lot of hauntings. Let's it's ta- Gabrielle. <laughs> Let's take a listen. It's not. It's not top loader. It is, of course, Smith's, and it is Last Night I Dreamt That Somebody Loved Me. Their second last ever single release, possibly, I think. Did these charming men play it? Uh, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's a very long song, a very long intro. You almost did that in your Pat Kenny voice. Can, can I hear that? <laughs> the title of the song. <laughs> last Night I Dreamt That Somebody Loved Me. Uh, it is a very long song. Uh, you got, like, um, the backdrop there in the very elongated intro uh, is crowd noises of the minor strike of 1994. You can't see Keir losing his mind. <laughs> it's not Pat Kenny impression. It wasn't even a good Pat Kenny impression. Like, you know, I, I They're can, all a good Pat I Kenny impression. I can do better Morrissey and Marr. Um, apparently it's a favourite of both Morrissey and Marr, the aforementioned uh, not 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 very good friends these <laughs> days. Those two. No. Um, so I, I think it is a nightmare because I think it's about the, ni- the nightmare of life. I do here. think that Marcy is uh, is is coming a little bit back. Is he? I, uh, Let's I, oh, not count our chickens for no. But I think that his, his his the last two or three years have some of the most sensical things that he's said. I think that have been coming out. Um, I've really noticed that. Um, uh, he still says stupid shit, but um, yeah. His words for Andy Rourke when he passed away really moved very, me. Very, very good. they were yeah. absolute knockout blow. I mean, you know, you want to hope. You want to hope that he'll turn around one day and be like, you know what, all the racism stuff was actually wrong and I, and I was an idiot. Because um, there's so much beautiful poetry in the music and the lyrics and the, the combination of everything. This song is unbelievable. I think it's a nightmare because it, uh, I think it's about, you know, like waking up and being in despair that the dream of, of, of a wonderful thing is in fact yeah. just a dream. And the, the the problems of life will face you. And even like, I, if you want to spin it out further, you can be like, you know, I, I rewatched like Vanilla Sky recently, a film oh, that's yeah. very divisive. That's um, a good film. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I like a lot about it. And he makes the point I want to say that he's like, he's like, my dreams are a cruel joke. You know, I always realize uh, that I'm dreaming. I always realize that I'm going to lose. And people, like people who like, you know, they don't even win in their dreams. And I, I think that's all kind of baked in here. Um, but it's just an unbelievably powerful, huge, incredible, towering song. I, I, Mar- Marcy is, uh, I would argue, if not the best, like one of the uh, one of the top five, uh, you know, uh, melodic lyricists that there's ever been, and I think they're funny, they're deep. I think he's, I think he's an amazing. I think he's a total twat at times, but like his, uh, I just think what he was doing at that time, I think it was just amazing so brilliant Johnny Marr said about this song it's built around the guitar riff going round and round the heart of it is the riff but I orchestrated it using a keyboard and string sound what I love about it is the drama in it the drama sums up how I was feeling at the time the song got written because at the core it is a very melancholic and dramatic guitar riff that goes round and round and round and first and foremost amongst other particularly melancholic things in the Smiths I hear myself in that there's a side of myself an introspective side and probably melancholic side that comes out because I'm a musician then I blew that up music- musically with a superb performance by the rest of the group and great composition by Morrissey uh, he said it's the best thing we'd done and my favourite track of all time and probably still is uh, speaking in 1993 uh, he said the last time I met Morrissey he said it was his favourite Smith song he might might be right. 
wonder how often they've talked in recent years. Probably not very much. Well, the interesting thing about a band that size is you probably end up uh, communicating quite a lot because every other week there's uh, there's offers and there would be... because so to negotiate. Kind no, of you'd have to end up negotiating loads. Yeah. I'd say they, they end up, you know, not necessarily... Uh, talking but communicating quite a lot it's just the way it is it, like even Noel and Liam I think end up uh, communicating quite a lot more it, than they would have us on you think is it like more yeah than, but yeah yeah absolutely and you get you get to the point where you're you, the business transact you, you do you just end up with loads because and as well the funny thing about them is um, you don't see it but they will be offered stuff all the time because everyone thinks I'll be the one to get, get them Oasis together or whatever, or whatever yeah. like you know and uh uh, uh, did you hear the thing about um, it was a, uh, Condé Nast had this plan to try and reunite all these massive groups did you see that? They apparently it, it's part of the whole Pitchfork Fallout stuff and their their music festival is still going ahead this year by the way but I saw in, I saw in a, Paris right? Uh, yeah yeah Paris? I saw a line in passing that said apparently some executive obviously out of touch was like why don't you get like the White Stripes or Oasis back together that would that, that would boost sales I mean, I would say they up until recently obviously uh, with, with Andy Rook passing they were offered stuff Every three months, decent sized. Uh, I would be, uh, I would not be surprised if they had conversations and you know, uh, um, soundtrack stuff and people wanting to cover their sure, songs. Like, uh, Michael Fassbender film, The Killer, that came out there. Yeah, uh, there's eleven Smith songs. In it. That's 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 a that's a that's a that's the last film I so I watched that in three parts. So I watched that in three thirty five minutes kind of blocks. Much like how you listen to this podcast, yeah, and how you listen to this episode for sure. Well, I have it on one and a half speed. I might get through a bit. Yeah. Did you, you did you enjoy the suggest. did you enjoy the film The Killer? I did. I I, I was a bit. I I didn't really get the end. I was like, why is that? It just felt a bit of a weird end. Oh, I think it's so good. No, I, I did think it's a good film. I really enjoyed watching it. Really, I love the really ending as well. Love the ending. But anyway, um, the whole damn thing. But I think just just on Marcy and Mar, I mean, it's such an obvious thing. But they were an incredible combination for each other because Marcy's always been a brilliant songwriter. But he he always needs he needs like someone to translate what he's doing. You know, like he needs a generational talent like Johnny Marr. No, but he needs an an incredible uh, melodic lyricist, and uh, he I don't think he's ever had that since. And um, same with Marcy. Marcy needs an amazing kind of uh, songwriter, like just someone who will kind of, you know, create the perfect palette for him to kind of do whatever he wants over. And they were perfect for each other. And they've never found it since. You know, Marcy has been through so many guitarists. And, you know, he, he does every now and again have, have a really solid, like, you know, couple of songs or whatever. But, like, they were just like, it was made in heaven the way they kind of came yeah, together. It's incredible. All right. That's my silver medal. What's yours? Back in the dreams corner. Back in the dreams corner. Uh, coincidentally, uh, the the very dreamy title. Um, I am a huge fan of this band, um, and I have a very funny story about them. Uh, but this is arguably one of my favorite songs of all time. It's a bit of an obvious one, I have to say, but it. Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite songs of all time, and a proper feels like a proper actual dream. is a song um, about um, the future where um, Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Jr. is the uh, president of the United States. Do you know who the band is? 
I can't believe you're doing this to me. It is Sonic Youth. I was gonna fucking. <laughs> well, why didn't you cut that out of the show? <laughs> I already look ignorant enough as it is. And it's from the album Daydream Nation. Obviously, what's the song? Uh, it's uh, Teenage Riot. By it Sonic Youth. By Sonic Youth. When I was about, I don't know, about 2000, uh, my friend David made me, because uh, I was trying to get into Sonic Youth, and he made me a sort of a 20-song mixtape. And it actually is still my favourite Sonic Youth album, <laughs> the mixtape he made. Um, and I listen to them all the time, try and play them on the show as much as I can, I think. Uh, all of them are brilliant. Um, and they were, again, a brilliant combination, you know, uh, Kim and Thurston and, and all the lads. And um, yeah, it's an incredible, incredible album, Daydream Nation, but this is the standard track. And it's dreamy in a sort of a way that, uh, I don't know, like it's, you get uh, you get really lost in it and then mm. it kicks off and it's, the, the words are all sort of a bit nonsensical. It's He says it's about a potential future where Jay Mask from, uh, Jay Mask was from, um, um, am I saying that right, Jay Mascus? I believe so. Dinosaur yeah. Junior Dino- Legend, Jay Mascus. Yeah, I don't hear his name said. I only read it. Read it, yeah. You know, kind of way. Um, uh, from Dinosaur Junior. And I uh, could be way off. To be fair, Dinosaur Junior are not in my purview. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, it's just it's an amazing song. But it, it feels like sort of nonsensical. It feels sort of like a little bit all over the place, which all the best Sonic Youth songs are, but really purposeful. And uh, yeah, I love it. And uh, it's just a coincidence, I think, that that. It's the Daydream Nation thing, you know, as well. But um, yeah, and as well, when it came, when this came up, I know it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like dream pop or something like that. But for whatever reason, I was like, that's, that's kind of proper. It's not far of, off dream pop, though, is it? I but, mean, it's kind of a grunge melange. Yeah. It feels like the album artwork as well. You know. Oh yeah, with the, the candle, candle on. just going. It like, would have of. provided like a serious blueprint for what dream pop is now, right? Like those kind of weird. Well, the early the, the intros. There's, there's a pre-intro sort of thing, which is like two minutes long, and that's what you just heard, and then it kicks off yeah, into a song, kind of. It's like quite fast in comparison. Yeah, it's a it's a it kicks off into a you know indie punk song or whatever, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's brilliant, and I think I think maybe. Um, you can hear all the bands that came after because they they'd come out of this thing called no wave, which was like properly anti capitalist, anti sort of um, you know what's the word uh, you know anti mainstream kind of idea, and they slowly started to move towards. And this is one of their more, I'd say, one of the more kind of you know standard structure songs apart from the intro, and uh, it just kind of captured something. And I think uh, yeah, so this is my number two, Sonic Youth's Teenage Riot. Yeah. A band I definitely know and I've listened to lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to make you a Sonic Youth? Do you want me to give you that I amazing I think someone way? did and I probably didn't listen to it because I'm a terrible prick for... I'm, I'm real like, you know, I'll make you a playlist, I'll make you a playlist. Someone makes me one and I'm like, nah, man. They broke up, uh, Kim and Thurston broke up. and um, Kim Gordon and Thurston Moore. See, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they broke up and it was a really bad breakup because apparently Thurston wasn't a very good boy. Um, and there's a story and I don't know if it's true or not, but I love it. Uh, he was, um, the the movers were standing outside, you know, the house, but the, he wouldn't let them touch a lot of the stuff because it was really precious, like albums and amps and records. And he was coming out of the stairs and he was walking down and every step he took, he said, don't ever fucking cheat. Don't ever fucking, he was so angry and upset that he was taking all of his stuff out of his house and putting it into this Ruva mu- van. He was going, don't ever fucking cheat. And I was like, Wow, that is a band that is not not happy with his situation. Yeah, words to live by. Um, right, number one for me. Um, an artist I picked before. Uh, you know, the word nightmare is in the title here, but I actually got quite a lot of hope from this one. 
you know? So let's take a listen to my number one. Tell me what you know about the night terrors every night. 5 a.m. cold sweats waking up to the sky. Tell me what you know about dreams, dreams. Tell me what you know about night terrors, nothing. You don't really care about the trials of tomorrow. Rather lay awake in the bed full of sorrow. I'm on the pursuit of Yes, indeedy. It's the one and only Kid Cudi, and the song is Pursuit of Happiness, open brackets, Nightmare, close brackets. Uh, what can I say about this song and the emotional uh, release that I often get from Kid Cudi? I don't know. Uh, I, like, this is this is on repeat for me a lot, you know. Um, I find his music very, very uh, life-affirming. I, I find that he can actually be a, a cure for a bad day for me. Uh, I've talked before about the Kids See Ghosts album and how it. I was genuinely in a horrendous horrendous mental state and somehow some way just listening to those vocals and listening to those songs uh helped me out of it and that's kind of the kid cuddy story in lots of way this is uh the third single off man on the moon the end of day now i mentioned genius earlier on the website genius and the annotations right and they're amazing because like sometimes the artists themselves will actually write them but it's they're rarities it's usually just like hardcore fans of things and they will really you know, they can take it to very kind of poetic places or they can just be like... It's really projecting themselves onto it as well sometimes, isn't it? yeah. And like sometimes it can just be like, you know, very straightforward, like this is what's happening, literally, yeah. or else it's someone who goes into a fucking... like so like it, so like it, It's it, such an abstract version of the YouTube comments for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like YouTube comments, but like let's digest them into lyrics. It's but, much more, yeah, much more esoteric. Yeah, place, yeah, yeah. Because so yeah. like, yeah. this song is about, you know, um, struggling with fame and fortune, but also the problems that haunted him after his father's death, uh, which he kind of calls it quite explicitly in this um but there's like uh you know i think it's like there's like the the line where he's like you know you know uh tell me what you know about dreaming um and i like clicked on the on the thing on genius because it's highlighted so oh someone's gonna written something here uh and what it says and i quote it goes everyone dreams but as t.e lawrence once said <laughs> quote all men dream but not equally end quote while on his pursuit of happiness Cuddy is terrified by his dreams, whether they, whether they are drug-induced or not. He claims that you really don't know anything because you haven't seen what he has. His path to happiness is shrouded by pain and horror as he seeks all the wrong outlets to ease his troubles. That's just one, one little segment of that song there, you know? Yeah. Nailed so yeah, it. it's, um, it's, it's, it's clearly a, a mixture of, of the good and the bad, isn't it? The, the the nightmare and the the positive dream, but I but I do I get a, I get a lot from it. I really no, really I mean do. this is like, this is the whole thing. I mean, like what music is for, um, you know, and not not to get into it like a fucking music is this, <laughs> but like you know, like I, I, half the time I'm I'm using it to like you know deal with whatever I'm going through, or whatever. And so my number one, if, if I can go on to it, um, go for it. Uh, I'm sorry to do this, Dave, but um, this number one is a song by a two-piece dream pop band, uh, male and female. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got some dusky vocals and some shimmery guitar.
So that is Zebra by uh, Beach House from the album Teen Dream. Coincidental that it's Teen Dream. But uh, it is my favourite album of all time, I think. Uh, it is it is like therapy uh, at times for me. I put it on sometimes on long drives and I am, you know, three tracks in, I am daydreaming about, you know, whatever. Like it's, it's gas. And one of the things... I, I this album can bring me to tears sometimes um, and this album can put me in the best form it kind of does whatever I need it to do for me uh, I love it it's just amazing so um, if you don't know uh, Beach House Victoria and Alex they're from Baltimore this is their third album I think uh, it's dream pop it's shoegaze it's really minimal at times um, uh, it's just like it's just like a kind of a perfect, I don't know, I think it's really focused on melody and feel and I think it's, you know, very few bands do it as well as this. Um, they've got seven or eight albums and they're all really good but this is this is the standout for me. When, so, when we got married, uh, myself and Emily back in 2012, we didn't have very much money but we went to a, a caravan park in Cork because I had, I had a tour starting so we went for a week away and a honeymoon or whatever and uh, we went to Baltimore in Cork. Isn't that funny? They're from Baltimore in America. In a coincidence. But um, we listened to this album all the time. And that's tied into the DNA of it. Um, and it's funny. It's just like, it's just the power of it. It just absolutely knocks me away. There's a song called Used To Be. And it's like, it's dangerous because it, it makes me so, it can really like hit me. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just something about... Uh, nostalgia and uh, melan- m- you know, melancholia, melancholia, whatever. Uh, the word of the episode, melancholy. Yeah. Beautiful but it, melancholy. But it's just like, I think it's the most powerful thing in music because it can kind of, wherever you you are, it can kind of lean that way. You can see it reflected in, this, in the music and this is really definitely something for me. So when I was starting to make, you know, a kind of dream and uh, the Driven Snow album. I was kind of like, could you do something like this, which is in our wheelhouse? You know, could you do something like this, um, which has, you know, some of the same kind of um, personality and characteristics, but maybe in your in our own kind of way. So it, it didn't end up being exactly like this at all. I thought maybe we could, we could work. When I started working on the album, I, I started working with more drum machines and I didn't really feel like, it, it, you know, when I got the guitar out again, it made much more sense. But it was definitely an inspiration into the way that I wanted the music to feel. And uh, yeah, this is, you know, one of the absolute, you know, you know, that thing of like, you have albums that are like your albums, you know, and this is definitely one of my albums and one of our albums, myself and Emily's. Yeah, no, it's like, I would find it, if somebody put a gun to my head and they were like, describe Beach House without using the word dreamlike, I'd be like, pull the trigger, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're like, it's tell, over. tell my mother I'll miss her. Um, I mean, because it is, it is like, I think there's something kind of mentioned earlier on as well. In the where it's like, but like, the feeling, like, I, I think songs like this one and songs like Myth and Norway, yeah. I feel like it is that thing of, of trying to remember a dream and it feels like genuine, like, sand running through your hands, mm. you know, just, like, trying to clutch and grasp at the thing that is uh, shifting away from you in, in this kind of very strange, translucent thing as it's happening. Um, yeah, they're, they're an act that when I do get into them, I find myself totally hypnotised by them. Um, yeah, hypnotising is, is a good word because it's one of the few, I'm really curious about 
albums after a while. I want to know how they made it and how it's recorded and you know because I'm kind of interested in the craft but this is like so funny I just like I just I actually don't want to fuck with it I want it just it to just be what it is and I don't want to know more and I don't want to like you know deconstruct it I want it to be what it is and I want to be careful that it stays that way for me like that's fair that's fair Um, and I hope that people will get something similar when they listen to A Kind of Dreaming by Driven Snow, which is out now, everybody. Bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp. Go yeah. to the gigs if you can. Yeah, Go links for everything in the show notes, everybody. I said it before. I'll say it again. Kieran McGinnis, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, anytime. Great to have you back. It's, I didn't even I didn't even notice that actually in the news section we forgot to get to the uh, the the death of Toby Keith. See Toby Keith, one of country country music's biggest stars. Completely unfamiliar. I'm not you don't know, you. you don't know Toby Keith. No, very uh, very American phenomenon. I well, would say. Can you name any of his songs? No, but it's all it's all kind of like Yeehaw USA shit. Like, <laughs> okay. um, so I saw. Okay, there's a guy. Is he, old? Is he young? Is he old? Is he like a? He was 62. Um, you know, yeah. Country music, brash, patriotic songwriter, according to Rolling Stone. But I think he would have written like a lot of very, you know, kind of. Is it like MAGA stuff? I think so. Okay. He's dead now, so he no can't. No thanks. So, so fun. <laughs> but um, I will say like, real quick, there's a guy I follow on Twitter, his name is Matt. I have no idea if he listens to the podcast or not, but like, I just saw like, uh, he put up like a, a, a triptych of tweets today and I, I laughed very loud at them. So he said, uh, quoting an article about the, the, the passing of Toby Keith, he said, this guy was one of those people who nobody outside of America has ever heard of, but then you look him up and he sold about the same amount of albums as Nirvana or Bob Marley. Anyway, me and my friends started listening to him ironically and accidentally ended up loving him. <laughs> Next tweet. Horrific, cynical, racist trash with none of the real rebel spirit of country music, but by God, it was funny. Rest in piss, brother. <laughs> and then, finally, he goes, genuinely didn't share my Spotify raft one year because a Toby Keith song was on it. Mortifying. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, he's off to the big sleep. So that, that's how that goes. All right. This has been No Encore. The big sleep. The, the big, big dream. Sleep. It's a nice way to put it. Uh, it's a kind of dreaming. Um, this has been No Encore for the week. Thanks for listening. If you love the show, patreon.com slash no encore. You can get the episodes early up there if, yeah. that's, if that's your jam. 24 hours. You also get weekly previews. Yeah. And we're going to work on some more stuff when we can. But for now, my name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. We're back next week. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.